2: And I guess ask me again at maybe 9.57. I think the batteries are recharged. I think I'm ready to go. Good. Nice week off last week. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to be at Grand Park because the chaos and the madness is about to begin as the Colts start training camp. And really, I think the sports calendar in this market starts to pick up again as training camp week is here. And obviously, uh, when you talk about the anticipation and the hope for The Colts' future moving forward, I would say there's a lot of evidence to point to that fans have some interest. So we will focus a ton on that today as we are 24 hours away from the Colts reporting to training camp. Good Monday morning to you. I'm Kevin Bowen, back from a week-long vacation. Sam Fritz on the ones and twos. Mark, is Jake Quarry still en route from... Is he at one of those concerts? They have so many concerts
3: at, at the, these Iowa races. He might be. I don't know. Maybe, maybe stopped at the Iowa State Fair if that's going on at this point. But, yeah, Jake Quarry uh, spent the weekend in Iowa for IndyCar and uh, taking a little siesta for today. He'll be back tomorrow, though, when you guys are out of Colts camp for,
2: for the, the the players arriving. Correct, yes. Tomorrow we'll also hear from Chris Ballard. As well, and obviously tons and tons of questions for the general manager of the Colts heading into a year seven that I think a lot of people certainly question if he deserves a year seven at the helm. And then Wednesday will be the first day of practice this week. Thursday, they are off. Friday, they are back to practice. Dude, have you seen the temperatures for this week? Oh, yeah. God, just working out, walking to the car.
3: Yeah, you guys will have a you'll have a good sweat going. Maybe bring, maybe treat it like carb day. Bring some like coolers and <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, keep yourself uh, hydrated. You yeah.
2: hey, Got a keg of Little Kings behind the bench here at uh, at Colts <laughs> practice. This is is there a by the way is there a more useless app on your phone than the weather app? Oh, how do you mean? Just like I it, think it's the most inaccurate thing I've yeah. ever seen in my life. I'll, I'll get
3: reports like it's raining outside and it's bright and sunny. I'm like, what the hell? And then. The the the, the, uh, the now it's the uh, air quality index is what I always look
2: at and even that seems to be off lately. Well, we got moderate on the air quality Uh-oh. index for today at fifty six. Uh, temperatures for this week: eighty nine today, eighty nine tomorrow, ninety four Wednesday, ninety five Thursday, and again ninety seven on Friday. Have fun. Uh, that is a sold-out Colts practice uh, of their 13, Mark. Already four of the 13 are sold out. Now, again, these are free practices. Correct. But as you know, um, you have claimed tickets to – are you going to both Bears practices? We have claimed
3: tickets to both, so I believe the plan is to go to both. Okay, so those both are the things.
2: joint sessions, August 16th and 17th. Those are two of the sold-out days already. You go to Colts.com to um, claim your free tickets to Colts training camp practices. And then Friday and Saturday, right here out of the gate, both of those practices are sold out. So, again, this is stuff we can get into a little bit later today. But to me, Mark, it's just a bit of a reminder that the fan base, I think, has felt just an injection of life. Uh-huh. And, sure, you're a long ways away from getting to the light at the end of the tunnel. But for once, and I don't think we, we, we've said this at all in the last few years, you haven't seen light at the end of the tunnel. It's always been like I hope that quarterback's got something left in the tank. That's a key four letter word for a fan base that's been they've yeah, seen hope. some struggles is hope.
3: And that's what you want. You want hope. You want you don't want apathy. So if you got some hope, you've got something like okay, that could turn out. That could be nice. That's always good. I like your Ellie Dela Cruz shirt by the way.
2: So let's fa- uh, let's rewind I guess to a week ago Friday. And I said to you and Jake, driving in on that Friday, which was the first day back from the All Star break uh-huh. for Major League Baseball. I said, "Guys, I'm really nervous. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm really nervous because this is when Major League Baseball season actually starts. No, I mean you just you just play games in April, May, June, uh-huh. whatever. You position yourself to a degree, but now the real." game start and i believe at one point the reds had come out of the gate and had lost six straight and i thought to myself they will never win a baseball game ever again you were on vacation and we discussed whether or not you were going to come
3: back and they would have won a game since the all-star break basically did you play the owner audio we should have i was not on the ones and twos otherwise i would have been hammering that thing
2: i i your ability to resist walking <laughs> the seven feet across the way to the board to get Sam Fritz's hands to play, that audio shows a lot of restraint from you, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. kudos to you for that. Thank you. Uh, now, Mark, I sit here after winning five straight, and I think the Reds are never going to lose again. Yeah, I, and the huge series oh, now. Oh, huge! Brewers and Reds
3: in Milwaukee, I mean, battle for the one Reds half game back. Half game back. They
2: are pretty huge. Two and eight on the year against the Milwaukee Brewers, so... Clearly, that has been an issue for them this season. Uh, Speaking of the Brewers, Joel A. Erickson is going to join us here at 9 o'clock. A diehard Brewers fan. Obviously, we will preview Colts training camp with him. And, Mark, you alerted me of this yesterday, and it makes a whole lot of sense. We haven't really had this conversation in about a month, but Danny Lopez from the Pacers is going to join the show at 8.30. And today... I think they have this number right. I believe it's 10,500 tickets will go on sale for Saturday night of NBA All-Star Weekend. So, again, this is February here in Indy, Saturday night over at Lucas Oil for the Slam Dunk 3-point... What am I missing? Do they do a skills competition as well? Yeah, skills competition, um... Do they do the celebrity game and all I, that I stuff? I thought the celebrity game was Friday. Maybe but that's that something is. I want to ask Danny as well. I'm like, just walk us through the whole weekend. Right. Because I, I don't pay you know gobs of attention to the NBA All-Star weekend, but obviously we're going to in the year of 2024 because it's right here in our own backyard. Um, so when the announcement was made about a month ago to have the Saturday night activities over at Lucas Oil, that headline immediately, Mark, I was kind of like, Whoa. Okay, tell me more. You know, Mm. it it just caught me off guard a little bit. And then the more I read about it, I'm like, I love this. You're going to get, I believe it's 35,000 people in that building for Saturday night. So it's obviously going to be a much bigger audience than you would if you just had it at GameBridge Fieldhouse. Uh And the ticket prices are very affordable. Um, $24, $49, and $79 are the different levels of ticket prices. And again, the first 10,500 go on sale just to people in our state here today. Um, So Danny Lopez is going to join us at 830 to talk more about that. The other question I had for him is, what is Sunday's ticket situation? Yeah. Yeah. Is it just all NBA corporate? I feel like that's
3: that's how these All-Star games usually go, which is why it's such a, a breath of fresh air to see... Saturday night, go more for the fans, be more inclusive than just be like, oh, who do you know? How, do you, how are you getting in? You have to have a sponsorship, you know, affiliation or something like that. So the fact that it is going to be more fan friendly, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I am curious to see how Sunday works because obviously that will be at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, which means less tickets and it also usually means, you know, less NBA fans, more, you know, sponsors sure 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 corporate event yeah, a little bit more of a situation. global feel to it yeah. probably
2: yeah the rising stars game that would mm-hmm. be probably the other thing yeah. that happens on all-star weekend so those will be uh, a couple of guests that we have here on this monday morning uh what did i miss last week it seemed like all we're doing is talking about running backs now hopping on zooms and saying we deserve more money
3: yeah we talked about a bit about that we talked to edron james which was a great conversation that. that was a that was a fun nice one job uh, and then yeah, we discussed the, obviously the running back situation, whether Jonathan Taylor was going to have uh, be more be more outspoken if uh, contract talks don't get get rolling here. And then obviously we had the the huge news was the Indiana Knights alternate jerseys for the Colts that seemed to oh, be mixed about seem to be mixed reviews uh, at 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 the very least. So I'm curious your thoughts on those. Okay,
2: so I, I'm a big fan of the helmet. I do like the helmet, but Mark, I have to admit, the first thing that I thought when I saw this, I go. Wait a minute. Is that Alec Pierce and Rodney Thomas II marketing these jerseys? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Were they, were they the only
2: two in town that day? <laughs> hey, you can do this. Did they text the 90-man roster and say, oh, uh, guys that were rookies last year, you drew the uh, you know short end of the straw here. You've got to come in and market these jerseys. I'm like – if you walked out to training camp tomorrow, I mean, I guess Alec Pierce is probably a little bit more notable, but Rodney Thomas had a really nice rookie season. Uh-huh. I wouldn't call him the top six or seven most marketable defensive player. Yeah, those are two interesting
3: choices. Maybe they went in the weight room and were just like, "Hey, you two, come on, real quick, photo shoot." Okay, and then I did
2: obviously have to laugh at the promotion of Indiana night. What is it, Indiana night uniforms? Knights. Yep. Uh huh. And there's no night games on the schedule, right? Right. Or at least not when they're wearing them. Yeah.
3: It's like week seven against the Browns, I think.
2: But I, I'm all for a little alternate. Now, the ones that I really like, did you see what the Titans are going to do for a couple games next year? I don't... Th- Was
3: it the Oilers? Or no... Not
2: yeah. The- yeah, yeah, I yeah, like, yeah. I'm
3: i a big fan of that. I also really like the Browns all-whites. I thought those were
2: pretty, pretty Yeah. Sweet. I really liked what the Titans debuted, or I guess not really debuted, um, but they put out last night for two games this year. They're going to go Oiler throwbacks. So, think yes, Warren, Warren Moon looking jerseys there those are so sweet I, love I am Oilers. a uh, I'm a big fan of that is it Colts Browns is that the game that they're gonna that's go what I believe the... is
3: the situation okay. said. week week seven which I I'm pretty sure is the Browns
2: yeah I'll be honest it was more of a what Alec Pearson Rodney Thomas more than <laughs> anything is what um caught my eye shameless plug and we will get into this a little bit later in the show he just posted something to the website uh early this morning and it's I guess has turned into kind of an annual piece that I do the Monday of of training camp week, 53 questions mark on the Colts training camp. So obviously the number 53 comes from the 53 man cut that will, I guess 53 man roster that is created once the preseason concludes. So there are tons and tons of Colts questions on my mind, I think on some of our listening audience's mind as well. And that is in written form up on the website. And uh, we'll get into some of those here, and these are of the more the they're ranked in most pertinent in your uh, mind, or
3: just just off the top of your head, just ranked maybe in. a
2: little bit of pertinence near the top. Uh, to be honest with you, just because I'm trying to attract the reader a little uh-huh. bit earlier, uh-huh. and I don't know if uh, you know which undrafted free agent on defense yeah. could make the team. I don't know if that's maybe question number one. I I found myself doing this exercise last night, Mark. Again, Chris Bauer is going to meet the media tomorrow. And I started to make a list of kind of questions for him. And I'm thinking to myself, this is probably the most questions I've had for him that I feel like these are like super relevant questions and not just like the general of give us injury updates or, you know, where do you think the great position battles are leading into camp? I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time he spoke was at the combine or was it after the draft? Yeah, it would be drafts. And we didn't get that. You know, usually we. we have that kind of like behind the scenes access with him post draft where we go in there and he kind of shows us the draft pick, you know, video and, and, and film and why, you know, those selections were made and okay, this is what Anthony Richardson and Juju Brents and Josh Downs, et cetera, et cetera. This is why we made those selections. So Ballard has been, and I don't usually say this about him, but he's been a little bit under the radar here for the past couple of months. I think he offers great access and, and, Again, I think when he answers questions, if you grade him on a GM scale, you get a lot more candor than you do um, the other uh, GMs in the league. But obviously, the Jonathan Taylor contract situation, the Michael Pittman contract situation—you know how he wants to see Richardson and Minshew reps divvied up here over the course of these 13 practices at Grand Park. Shaquille Leonard's health—you know—all of those things have a ton of relevance to the Colts starting training camp here. Uh, again, report day tomorrow morning. First practice is Wednesday.
3: Do you expect Anthony Richardson to be there? Because he is still unsigned as one of the quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think there's several Colts draft picks that are not signed yet. I, I yeah, I to me, deadlines for action, particularly in the um this sort of situation where you know the new collective bargaining agreement a few years ago said, All right, we're gonna put in a rookie wage scale. It's gonna be pretty obvious of what pick basically you you're slotted into a contract uh-huh. as picked number before yeah. for Richardson. The one thing you can debate is a little bit of your signing bonus. Um it is interesting that these that again I think it's I'd have to double check. I think it's like either the first 3 Colts picks or 3 of the first 4 picks that they've had or that they had back in April are still unsigned. Um, I assume and I would hope that those would get done again. By Wednesday morning, I do think something to note on that end, Mark, and this gets away from the rookie contracts and more on the possible Taylor and Pittman contract extensions. I went back and looked up, you know, when guys like Leonard signed his second contract or Braden Smith uh-huh. or Quentin Nelson, Naheem Hines. Those are the four draft picks in the Ballard era that have already signed extensions with the team. And in Braden Smith's case, he actually signed it like. I want to say it was the first day of camp, or maybe it was report day. Leonard signed his about midway through camp. Mm -hmm. Hines and Nelson both signed it, I think it was the day before the regular season started. So if you're curious, like, hey, once camp starts, that means Taylor and Pittman might not sign their extensions. Or once the season starts, they might not sign extensions with the team. You kind of have four different timelines with each of those guys. Again, one of them signed him before camp start. The other one was the middle of camp. And then in Hines and Nelson's case, they both signed it just before the season started. So, I think a question for Ballard is, if you get to September 10th or September 11th, whenever that first game is, and you haven't reached extensions with Taylor and or Pittman, are you done Yeah. in terms of having those discussions during the season? Is that something you just don't want to talk about? And then do both those guys play out the final years of their respective rookie and then deals? And that will be very
3: interesting, too, to see if those guys start you know, chirping a little bit more about contract situations and entering into basically like an unknown at the end of the, at the end of the regular season and all that stuff. That'll be pretty interesting. And like you said, we had a uh, report over the weekend that Jeremy Fowler had that uh couple big name running backs had an in, in, in all running back zoom meeting. Uh, didn't see Jonathan Taylor's name attached to that, but kind of curious as to what, the, what that really means. Are they going to try to unionize the position or whatever and all that stuff? So, I don't know what to really make of that, to Mark, be quite I, honest. I,
2: Jonathan Taylor's a great dude. I've said this a thousand times before. Like, you know, people ask me, "Hey, you know, what are these Colts players like behind the scenes?" I'm like, obviously, I don't know <laughs> to the nth degree what they're like, but based off the little that I've gotten to know Jonathan Taylor over these last couple of years, like he strikes me as like a, a terrific individual, like great human being, all those things. Blah blah blah. You know, he checks all of those boxes in my eyes. But I want to just kind of say to him or these other running backs, guys, welcome to the 2023 reality of the position you play. And I'm sorry. Like it's, it, this is the same thing that's happening in the NBA for traditional back to the basket guys. You just aren't being valued like you once were. And there's no, like, it's no disrespect to you. It's just the reality of a league that has turned a lot more passing and the shelf life of the position that you play is what? 28, 29 years old, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe into your 30s, and that is a huge stretch. Unless you're Frank Gore, frankly, really nobody is sniffing that. You know, name the Chiefs' starting running backs over the last handful of years. Yeah, and look how they how successful they've been. I mean, wasn't their starting running back in the Super Bowl a seventh round pick? And Uh Pacheco is it Isaiah? Yeah, not even sure if I know Mm -hmm. his first name. Yeah, I mean that's so that's kind of what I sit here and say to these running backs: it's that. Okay, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, they make really good running back money. I mean, they are $15 million, $16 million. What do they do? They're hybrid wideouts. Right. So unless you're a hybrid wideout, you just aren't going to make more than about a dozen million a year. And that is still obviously a very notable number when you compare it to other NFL positions. It's probably not as notable. But i I don't sit here and think I should be carrying the running back flag for that position. I mean, I think I've been pretty adamant. I know Jake feels... A similar way, I wouldn't have drafted Taylor in the second round because you're having this debate three years into his career of how long he should be here mm-hmm. and what that contract should look like. If I'm drafting to do in the second round, I want him on the side of my building for eight to ten years. So I just... I guess credit to the running backs for trying to do something, but Mark, I just think it's crying a bit over spilled milk.
3: Yeah, and I and I get like they're ah oh, the franchise tag really ruins this. Well, that's collectively, they, that's I was collectively say, bargained. They like, bargained that. I with mean, the NFLPA and the uh, owners for the NFL players that complain about the franchise tag, then go to the table at the next CBA, you know, contract talks, and say we want the franchise tag out of there. But if it's collectively collectively bargained, sorry, I mean the owners and the front office can. Use it at their leisure. They, they have the ability to do that. It's in the contract. So I can't really, can't really go with that argument either. We're like, oh, the, the franchise tag is really ruining this. Well, then get it out of there.
2: And, and I go back to the Taylor tweet. I'm sure you and Jake talked about this a lot last week because, you know, Mark, on that franchise tag deadline day when, you know, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs didn't get the extensions, uh-huh. you had all these running backs tweeting. Oh, yeah about it and Jonathan Taylor was one that tweeted initially wow and I'm thinking gosh Taylor never even you know sniffs going down that path and then he responded to Matt Miller who we've had on the show before ESPN NFL draft analyst you know and Taylor was pretty much or Miller was pretty much listing out a a little bit of my kind of thought process on on running back of you know draft one maybe franchise tag him once and then draft another one you know it's kind of the four or five year shelf life for these guys and Taylor's response had, like, zero tangible evidence that I would use in the court of law, if you will, if I were arguing for running backs. Like, it it just, none of it, I was like, oh, thanks for tweeting, but I'm thinking to myself, none of that means anything. Like, none of that is actual substance in saying, like, running backs deserve more money because, again, when you look at championship-winning teams, when you look at how long players at that position have played in the NFL, it's... It's just a replaceable position, and Taylor's a wonderful talent, and, and I understand JMV's comments about he should mean more here to a, to a rookie quarterback. I, I hear that out. I've, I've said it before. Let him play out this rookie contract, slap the franchise tag on him, and see what happens in two years. And
3: Taylor's initial tweet, uh, in case you did miss it, he said, One, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Two, if you work hard enough, you'll succeed. And then dot, 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 if you succeed, dot, dot, dot. Three, you boost the organization, dot, dot, dot. And then dot, dot, dot. Doesn't matter. You're running back.
2: I'm looking at you a little cross-eyed mark. Yeah. Like I you know, where is the again, where's the substance in that tweet where like, you know, his agent has laid out, you know, these are the three or four reasons why you deserve more, more money. Um, so I, I'll be obviously super curious to see how all this plays out and league wide, um, how this plays out, not only with Jonathan Taylor, but a little bit of Michael Pittman and, coming up.
3: And, and we did have a couple guys on last week that that did seem to think that Taylor will be an exception. He will be a running back that does get a second tra- contract from Chris Ballard. They like to give their, their guys that they drafted second contracts. So, uh,
2: and I agree with that. I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be a Colt long-term. Yes. But and exactly but it, what it looks like, how long, those are things I the think The years,
3: the guaranteed money, all that it will be fascinating to watch. And that's one of, the, obviously, the huge storylines heading into training camp for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, I lost a lot of money in the British Open. Did you? Did you see Brian Harmon? I did see that. I, I, I stayed away from wagers uh, this this open, so I, I didn't touch it. I didn't lose any money. I didn't make any money, but I also didn't lose it, which is the most important thing.
2: You know, it was way too boring for my liking how the tournament unfolded, but I also can sit here and be like, oh, my gosh, huge hat tip to Brian Harmon. The dude had at least a five-shot lead after the second, third, and final round of a major. Like, that just does not happen whatsoever. Um, For those unfamiliar with who Brian Harmon is, you know, basically a really decorated junior player, really strong amateur player at at, at Georgia, but just has never turned into, you know, any sort of a mainstay. He's never been like a top 15, top 20 American golfer, probably right on the fringe of that throughout his career, um, but never seen anything like this. And for him to be, you know, when you get guys in that position, Mark, I'm thinking myself on Thursday, Friday, I'm like, oh, Harmon's going to shoot 80. Yeah, you know, Harmon's gonna blow up. Yeah, and those few moments where he'd make a bogey, it never snowballed. Like he, he would have a you know wayward swing or an errant shot, and he never let that turn into two or three bogeys and let other guys give hope. And when you look at the guys under him on the leaderboard, you're just waiting for one of them to make a big run at him. Uh, I was looking at Nom, I was looking at
3: McElroy. I was like, okay, it's only a matter of time, and he just never relented the lead, and those guys never made a run. So, congrats to him. It was a dominating performance. Again, yeah, a, a bit too much of a lead for my liking. That kind of takes the drama out of the Sunday round, but and again, you've got ugly weather. Is, yeah,
2: and you know this guy that obviously doesn't play in that weather on a routine basis, uh, and and played like that. So the 36 year old Brian Harmon gets the win from a local angle. I don't know if anyone was watching last night. You did have in the opposite PJ Tour event last night, Patrick Rogers, Avon, Indiana native, mm-hmm. going for his first. PGA Tour win, got a pretty unfortunate break in a playoff. There had a few uh, shaky moments late in regulation, uh, but got into a playoff and uh, drove into a divot on the first playoff hole, made bogey, lost that. So uh, Patrick Rogers from Avon, big Colts fan, uh, still looking for his first PGA Tour win. He'll get it, I think, at some point. Yeah, uh, he's certainly been knocking on the door. He's sniffing around. I think he's around. 0 for 5 now and 54-hole leads, and he has played. This has probably been one of his better years in quite some uh, time. Uh, any IndyCar viewing for you or, over the tad, weekend? Just a
3: tad. We were out in Milwaukee for my uh, brother and his fiance. They had a barbecue out there, so Ashley and I were up in Milwaukee for the weekend. Uh, they are getting, get, getting married next summer, so they had kind of like a get-together and stuff. And okay. It was kind of a surprise. Everybody who was invited... To the barbecue is standing up at the wedding and all that stuff. Look so it's at one of that. those kind of things. So we're doing that situation. That was fun. So I didn't get to, uh, too much time to take an IndyCar. I mean, I saw that Joseph Newgarden swept the weekend, uh, but not too much IndyCar viewing for me, unfortunately, because yeah. I was behind the wheel a lot of the weekend driving around.
2: I enjoy those Iowa r- races. You know, it's a very short oval. Newgarden has been dominant. That's now five straight oval wins for him. I think Foyt and Unser, I believe, are the only two that have ever done that. Anytime you're in that sentence. Uh pretty darn impressive there. Uh, but I still am so impressed. And you know, we'll talk with Jake a little bit about this tomorrow when he when he comes back. I mean, these Iowa races, the, Mark, their their concert lineup for the weekend. Ed Sheeran, Kenny Chesney, Zach Brown band, and Carrie Underwood.
3: Yeah. That's a solid that's <laughs> Can a solid person right there. Yeah. It's it's, not too shabby. Uh,
2: yeah, high V and what they've done, you know, grocery store in that you know, part of the country, I think, starting to bleed a little bit more into other states. Um, wild what they've done for IndyCar. And so major credit to them. And again, doubleheader, Joseph Newgarden sweeps off Alex Palou's lead, still pretty strong with a handful of races left. Palou had a big third-place finish yesterday in the season series. So now a week off for IndyCar, Nashville, and in Indy after. Not a bad 2023 for Joseph Newgarden, I would say. Yeah, uh, when the races are ovals, Mark, uh, he seems to be the guy to strongly, strongly bet on. And one more oval left this year. They'll go to Gateway here coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, Before we hit a break here out of the open, Mark, I don't want to sneak this in. Um, You know, when you think about indie radio and, you know, people you'd put on a kind of a legendary pedestal, I, I would say the character that is Donnie Baker would be pretty high on that list. And uh, sadly, Ron Sexton, who played that character on the Bob and Tom show, passed away. I believe it was on Friday. I think they announced it on Saturday. And again, I know Jake can probably speak to this a little bit better, but I have pretty vivid memories of uh, one of my buddies' dads driving us to school back when we were I don't know, 14 or 15 years old. And every time Donnie Baker would call into Bob and Tom, he would turn up the radio a little bit louder. Mm-hmm. It was like that was the act he was waiting to hear. And, you know, again, I'm 14 or 15. Like, I don't remember a ton about those years, but I do have some vivid memories of, like, laughing kind of under my breath. Like, am I allowed to laugh at this joke? You know, (laughs) because it was one of those things with Donnie. Um, But just an absolute icon, really, certainly with the Bob and Tom community, but I would say radio in this market in general. So Franklin Central grad, Ron Sexton, and uh, so to his family and the Bob and Tom family as well, condolences to a guy that I know is – uh, been quite, the, quite the titan here in the radio, radio community.
3: Couldn't say it better myself, but yeah, very sad to see. Uh, we'd heard wasn't doing great, but then obviously got the word over the weekend. It's like, oh boy, so yeah, a lot, a of, lot of fond memories with him. So uh, to him, and his family, all our condolences here at Kevin Aquary.
2: Uh, Danny Lopez going to join us coming up at 8.30. We'll talk Pacers and, again, their All-Star announcement coming up today as some tickets go on sale for All-Star Weekend just for those here in our own backyard. So and a cool opportunity coming up a little bit later this morning. And obviously a ton of Colts chatter. The week looks like this. Report day tomorrow at Grand Park. We'll be up there for that. We'll be up there again on Wednesday for their first practice. And then off Thursday practice on Friday and Saturday. Both of those practices already sold out. So a lot of anticipation for the Colts and training camp here in 2023. Good Monday morning to you. Jake Quarry is out. I am back. I am Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is with me. And Sam Fritz on the ones and twos. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin Quarry right here on 93.5 107.5 The Fan. (laughs)
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: I've been waiting to say this for a while, Mark. Don't look now. But here come the Redlegs. After losing six in a row, they are now winners of five straight. I feel like the Ellie De La Cruz shirt is appropriate for today. I think so.
3: You got a huge series against the Brewers upcoming. Oh, this is it. Now's the time to bust it out. Is this this the uh, maiden voyage for that shirt?
2: Uh, This is the second time that I've rocked it. Now, the sweep of your Arizona Diamondbacks does not have the same ring to a sweep potentially of the Brewers would have. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you just said, the Reds 2-8 on the year with the Brewers, a massive series coming up with Milwaukee. Starting tonight, that is a three-game series. It's the final time these two teams play all year. Right now, just a half game separates them in the central – and Mark, I saw this yesterday and you know what, if there's a baseball thing you and I can both agree on, the St. Louis Cardinals at 44 and 56 are off to their worst 100 game start in nearly 30 years. Breaks
3: my heart. I was I was very upset uh coming into Friday's show because the Cubs lost. Marcus Stroman was on the bump. They didn't look good against the Cardinals. I was, God, this could be an ugly weekend. But that was the only ugly part of the weekend. The Cubs took three out of four against the Cardinals. Three-game winning streak. Loved every second of it. Take that, Redbirds fans. So uh, that was a good series to watch. And now the Cubs have the White Sox on the docket for the Crosstown Classic. So and it's that should be fun.
2: Been a few weeks since the Indianapolis Indians were at home. They're at home this week for the Louisville Bats coming up day games Wednesday and Sunday.
3: Uh, Indiana Fever, they won a game on Wednesday. They lost once again on Sunday to the New York Liberty, 101-83. They got shellacked. They were on the wrong side of history. I think it was, what, a forty four point so forty four point, ga- point quarter or something they gave up. So right after they snapped their uh, losing streak, they're right back in the lost column again. They get back to work when they're on the road against the L.A. Sparks, and that is Tuesday at 10 p.m.
2: Doubleheader sparks Tuesday and Thursday yes. out there in L.A. Okay, over the weekend, Jake was in Iowa. He will be back in the saddle thus tomorrow. And what Jake saw and what Jake called was Joseph Newgarden winning both oval races. So the clean sweep for him. His dominance on the ovals here over the past handful of races continues. A.J. Foyt and Al Unser, the only other two. IndyCar drivers to win five straight ovals. Alex Pillow, though, has an 80-point lead in the season series with five to go, and he had a massive third-place finish on Sunday. There were some moments on Sunday where it looked like that lead could shrink even more, but Pillow, third place there. Um, So now five left in the IndyCar season off this weekend. Nashville in Indy coming up. To begin the month of August,
3: Women's World Cup still in full swing. U.S. Women on Friday night got a 3 0 win over Vietnam. Not as dominant as it as it probably should have been. They should have I had like, like should three I have four taken other goals. Vietnam plus one and a half? They should the have first probably half? a couple more goals, lots of lots of misses there and stuff. But they are out of they are off until uh, Wednesday when they take on the Netherlands. That game is at nine o'clock on Fox,
2: and that's a rematch of the last final. Netherlands and the U.S. Uh were the final four years ago. Netherlands beat Portugal 1-0 in the opener. I thought about texting you, Mark, when I was watching the U.S. women in the Vietnam game. The odds you could have gotten on the U.S. goalkeeper touching the ball during the game. What was that? I, I was cur- I was maybe going to throw that out there. It's a bit of a de- degenerate bet. That sounds like a degenerate bet. But if I'm not mistaken, I believe the only time a Vietnam player kicked the ball to where the U.S. goalie had to actually touch the ball was in the final minute of the game. Uh-huh. Or Did you have odds no, on No, no, I, I was just thinking curious? about those odds. Oh. Can you imagine like taking that at the start of the game being oh, like, the U.S. goalie is literally not going to touch the ball the entire game. The only time she did was like a defender for the U.S., Would kick Kick it back back to to her, her and I was like, oh, yeah, she's on our team, too. Might as well have her touch the ball. So, yes, competition going to rise here for the Women's World Cup. Uh, All right, British Open over the weekend. We mentioned it in the opening segment. Brian Harmon is the winner, his first ever major. Sam, cue up that audio. Um, This was Brian Harmon after his round, I believe, on Saturday. I think it was referencing... A moment in Saturday's round when he had bogey two of the first four holes, and this was honestly me yelling at Brian Harmon here in the state of Indiana, and this is what Brian Harmon felt over there as the clear kind of enemy in the fans of the English.
1: I made the second bogey yesterday, a guy, when I was passing him, he said, Harmon, you don't have the stones for this. That helped. That was, that was the motivation? Yeah, that helped a lot. I, he was a... Uh, Anyway, that that helps. I mean, it, it just helps snap me back in, like, you know, that I, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through my process, and the next shot's going to be good.
2: So- Mark, let me be clear. I did not want Brian Harmon to win. Um, nothing against him. You know, the Waggles kind of frustrate me a little bit there with his pre-shot routine and everything. But it, he just he doesn't do a whole lot for me on the entertainment scale. Uh-huh. But hearing that quote, I'm like, that's pretty darn cool. I mean, yeah. this is a dude that – you know you're in that arena. Ninety-five percent of that crowd wants Tommy Fleetwood to win as the home, you know, hometown guy, if you will. Twenty minutes away from from Hoylake, Brian Harman hasn't won a golf tournament in six years. He's really never sniffed a major, maybe one in his career. And you bogey two of the first four holes. It's raining. How are you going to respond? And, and a fan yells that, and now you got to think about it. Like, yeah, I, that is pretty cool that Brian Harman heard that, handled that. And again, unlike really anybody else in that leaderboard, he was, I would say, the steadiest of anybody over the final 54 holes and, and really one of the more dominant major championship performances you're going to see. Golfer probably used to hearing like a Baba Booey chant, <laughs> Not so much, <laughs> you don't got the Bass stones. Potatoes. So that one probably resonates
3: a lot more. We're like, I haven't heard that one before. So, yeah, you get a little extra juice going and you're like, all right, watch this. So
2: Now, Jake would have reacted to that audio by doing the British accent oh. of what it would have sounded like.
3: Yeah, I, I, well, don't worry, I'm not doing that today.
2: I was going to, I mean, you're sitting in his chair, did nope, you not want to? Nope,
3: it's not bleeding, no. The oils of the chair haven't bled into my skin yet.
2: I did get nervous walking in the studio this morning. You're like, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm like, oh no, I feel like I'm no, back with No, that was,
3: that was the new Twitter that is now called X, apparently.
2: But it looks normal to me, outside it, of the X logo.
3: Yeah. Is that correct? Is, uh-huh. is that the same yeah, for you? Yeah, I'm, ass- I'm assuming this is like, kind of like a late April Fool's joke or something, and like by the end of the week I'll be back to the, to the blue bird, but yeah log in do this I'm like do I need my social security number too Elon's up with something uh-huh of that's what are
2: saying on that front yeah uh, Colts training camp talk on the other side Kevin Aquary again Jake out coming back from Iowa today I am back from vacation Colts training camp in earnest we'll get a lot of news items tomorrow first practice Wednesday we'll chat about that on the other side Kevin Aquair right here on a beautiful Monday
4: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
3: Kevin and Query on a Monday morning. I am Mark Dykton in for Jake Query as he's making his venture. I think he's back from Iowa. Maybe Maybe he isn't. Who? Maybe he's... Taken maybe took in Carrie Underwood last night. Well, or I saw him. He
2: took a picture of the uh, of the uh, sign, you know, "Welcome to Indiana," the very underwhelming sign. I forget what the actual caption is. So no. I, I do think he's back. I just think I think it's him and Boo on a personal day. Maybe yeah. Ne- needs some reorganizing extra, the cologne. Needs
3: some extra cuddles. Oh, he did that last week too. And yeah, we've gotten to that debate as well.
2: Clean the litter box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could- are,
3: what should I take a picture of next? My watch collection or my sunglasses collection? Like. You cannot sound more like a fifty-year-old single, like a guy, a guy dating Shannon, but not married, no kids. Like that's, oh, Shannon, what? Yeah. Can you stand here? I need to get a filter on my sunglass collection. Those so. things are very
2: high on the Mark Dykton priority list with three girls oh, at yeah. the age of six here. Oh yeah, Kevin Bowen though, <laughs> back from a week off,
3: and he's got fifty-three questions heading into Colts training camp. The Colts report for camp tomorrow. Thank God, right? I know. We are, I know. We are I mean, I feel like we've turned a corner. My my dad was telling me over there. He's like, God, July is just like flown by. I'm like, not if you talk sports,
2: you know, for I a living like in the it's summer. I feel like been a little bit more of a busier July than most from a sports standpoint. Like, you guys didn't have to scrounge for right, stories, right? Right. Yeah. This was this was like
3: week. we had, even the couple of days of the All Star break for baseball when there was literally nothing going on. There was some some storylines at right. the uh. The running back situation and all that stuff. But never, nevertheless, you have 53 questions, you said, heading into Colts training camp. And I, I've perused a few. I've, okay. got, some, I've got some notes here of ones that I agree with and ones I'd like you to expand and on. This a little is fresh more.
2: on the website. So for those looking for a written view of this, this is uh, right now up on our website, 1075thefan.com, just an annual thing I do leading into camp each year. 53 questions, of course, the number 53. Uh, relevant because you will cut your roster from 90 to 53 here at the end of the month. So this
3: one, I'm curious. Uh, we're, we are not going to go into any particular order. These are just ones that I've marked down that I'm like, I'd like you to expand on it or get your opinion on it, this, that. Uh, the Jonathan Taylor receive a contract extension. We have gotten word, and I think that he will get a contract extension with the Colts. I'm curious what your thoughts are, and if if that is the case, what does that look like as far as terms, guaranteed money? How do you see that working out? Is that going to be a more team-friendly deal, or how is that going to work?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. It's one that I don't have, like, strong conviction on an answer. I, I do probably side with your thought in that eventually the two will come to an agreement. Now, Taylor has really sung a very different tune in the last couple of months, Mark, and I'm interested to see, like, is there any part of him that views this as, like, I need to carry the running back flag? Or is that Saquon Barkley? Or is it him? Like, is there any part of, you know, like we see a guy like Zach Martin right now with the Cowboys, you know, he's not happy based off a report from Adam Schefter about how much money he's getting paid as easily the best guard in the NFL, frankly, probably one of the best guards to ever play in the NFL. And like the little I know of Zach Martin, I'm like, boy, that doesn't strike me as something like Zach would want to do. But then again, do these guys like kind of view themselves as the leader of the union and they need to kind of. You know, carry the torch for the other guards in Zach's case in the NFL or Jonathan Taylor's case, future running backs. Now, as I said a little bit earlier in the show, I don't think you got a whole lot of leverage to stand on. No, like I, I don't think you have this kind of just you know, massive fastballs you can throw at the Colts um, in relation to how much you should make. I think at the end of the day, we're looking at something in the three ish year range on an extension. I would go no higher than that. Um, I think one of the big questions you have with Taylor and market applies to running backs in the NFL. If you look at the running back contract list and who makes the most money, you've got to play on third down. You have to yep. impact the game from a passing standpoint. It is a passing league, that's why running backs continue to be devalued and I think very understandably continue to get devalued very similar to, you know, back to the basket people in the NBA. Well, Taylor doesn't do what Alvin Kamara or Christian McCaffrey right. do on third downs. So given that, you know, are you talking 3 years, 40 million? That would be, what, just over 13 a year? Yeah. Right now, I think Derrick Henry, I believe, is the highest non 3rd down guy, like McCaffrey or Kamara, who are both in the fifteen to $16 million range. Um, I do think, and again, I don't say this with a ton of like tangible evidence behind the scenes, but I think he will get extended, and he will still be with the Colts moving forward. But again, how all of that plays out, fascinating. I think his leverage is that he's on the Colts and the Colts pay their
3: guys that they've drafted. It's good on point. top of that, you point. can say, take me off of your offense. And what are you looking at? And I think that's all the leverage you need. Is And obviously area. the
2: Richardson dynamic. I mean, right. Alex points out, I think this is a really good point. I, and I think JMB's kind of said this in the afternoon. I'll continue to say that it's dangerous to not pay your elite playmakers, especially when you have a QB on the rookie deal. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's spot on. I think that's a really, and, and there is the element, Mark, of what else are you are using the money on? Exactly. It's not like you're paying Richardson anytime soon. Yeah, you're not. It's you're not, not going like you're paying crazy a left free tackle. Agency. You, you never go crazy in free agency, um, but still, the root of this comes back to don't draft running backs until day three. All right, we're
3: draft. we're gonna sneak in one more before we gotta to go to break, but we will expand on this after the break as well. But one I wanted, one that caught my eye, the Moelle Cox uh, question. Mm. Obvi- I think I feel like the tight end position for the Colts. Because of the big questions at cornerback and the secondary, the big questions of the offensive line, tight end is kind of snuck under the radar as far as level of importance and what we're exactly going to be expecting from the tight end group in 2023.
2: Yeah, don't you feel like Mo Ali cox kind of falls in the, is he ever going to get there?
3: I feel like every year, like, one of the guys to watch,
2: Moali Cox. Sleeper fantasy tight end. Yeah,
3: sleeper fantasy tight end, and then, like, he'll have, like, one catch for three games. You're like, what the yeah. hell's going on?
2: Again, I would, I am much, I think, higher on Jelani Woods. If you're going to pick a name out of that tight end group, then I would Moali Cox. I think Woods, frankly, it was a bit head-scratching last year of the million head-scratching things the Colts had late last season. Remember that game against the Steelers on Monday Night Football, Mark? Uh-huh. Jelani Woods had a big night. Like, oh, yeah. 8 for 90 or 9 for 90, Um, great night, and then the next two games he played like less than 20 snaps in each. It's so funny how
3: that works to me all the time. I'm like, what?
2: (laughs) don't you want to play the young guys at this point of the season, if nothing else, not to mention he obviously played well on Monday Night Football. Now, I do think Allie Cox is important from a blocking standpoint, and that was, I thought, a big issue. I thought you really missed Jack Doyle last season. So when you talk about this tight end group, um, how it pairs down to the three or four you keep will, I think, be a storyline. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, but I do think he provides an element that you missed last year with Doyle. But I think we almost have to accept, Mark, that like Mo Cox is not going to be Antonio Gates. And, and I know that's like a ludicrous thing to even say out loud, but I feel like at times you get the basketball dudes that make a couple highlight plays, and we all just assume they're going to reach this mm-hmm. crazy potential. And I think we just probably have to accept with Mo that he's a nice number two tight end. And I guess you could even make the argument if he's that.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things where it's nice to have, but it's not something that you're banking on. I hope you heard you better not be banking on Mo Ali Cox to make a giant leap in 2020. I think Jelani Woods
2: offense. falls in the potential breakout player, and that would be huge. Yeah. Because, you know, I think your goal with these guys, and this is part of kind of bringing back Taylor for, you know, whatever, two, three years, something like that, you know, pairing Pittman, pairing Pierce, pairing Josh Downs, you know, you're trying to create the young tight ends or excuse me, the young skill players with Richardson. I mean, if you look at Andrew Luck, I mean, hell, go back to Peyton. Peyton Manning's early career, Ken Delger, a little bit of Marcus Pollard, important veteran tight ends for your rookie QB. Andrew Luck didn't necessarily have the veteran tight ends, but he had Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener, that bled into Jack Doyle. You know, he had those guys kind of growing with him. So that tight end position can be friendly. So I think it's important to try and find something for Richardson. Obviously, you hope Jelani Woods. And the other tight end name to... I think at least keep an eye on Mark is Drew Ogletree. Mm-hmm. Remember last year during training camp, the six-round pick out of Youngstown State? He had a really nice couple of weeks at Grand Park, tore his ACL. Um, he should be full go, though, when things get underway later this week. Um, he will be a name to keep an eye on. We'll continue the Colts camp conversation on the other side again. Uh, Pacers All-Star Game-related information coming up at 8.30. I know a lot of people have interest in this. Lucas Oil Stadium for the three-point, the slam dunk, the skills competition, that Saturday night event of All-Star Weekend coming up in February, uh, 10,500 tickets go on sale a little bit later today. All these prices, to me, scream very manageable when you're talking about marquee event like the NBA All-Star Weekend is. Uh, those go on sale coming up here to people in our own state a little bit later this morning. We'll get more information with Danny Lopez at 830 and Joel A. E. Erickson. I haven't had Joel on in a while. Colts can't preview. Uh, I'm going to toss that question at him, Mark, that we um, were were speaking about a little bit in the opening segment of. Any concern over Anthony Richardson? I think it's uh, Juju Brintz and Blake Freeland. Each Mm -hmm. of those three rookies have not yet signed their rookie contract. I'm not overly concerned on it, but Joel's a little bit more plugged in on that stuff, so we'll chat with Joel about that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin Acquara here on a Monday. Nice start to this week in Indy, 93.5, 107.5. The fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Good Monday morning to you. 8 o'clock hour here. Feels good to be back. Recharge the batteries a bit. Uh, Grand Park, the next two days for the show. That'll be myself, Kevin Bowen, and Jake Query. Jake uh, using – Jake, a very rare vacation day Uh for Jake. He is a comeback from Iowa, doubleheader, busy weekend for him. Uh, But we'll be up there report day on Tuesday. And, again, first practice for the Colts Wednesday of training camp. Mark Dykton with us from a co-hosting standpoint today. You know, Mark, the Colts had this announcement, I want to say, over the weekend – of three more uh, training camp practices have been sold out. And again, just to provide a little context around that, the Colts have 13 practices at Grand Park this year. Two of those will be the joint sessions with the Chicago Bears to round things out. Training camp practice is free and open to the public. Um, I don't know how much people realize how rare it is that NFL teams continue to go off-site Um, I think the stat is only seven of the 32 NFL teams now go away for camp. The Colts are one of those seven, of course. That is a number that has shrunk majorly in recent years and not necessarily a COVID-related thing. That was trending in that direction even before COVID, but the Colts continue to go off-site. Um, And again, tickets are free. It's an unbelievable viewing experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was talking to my sister-in-law over the weekend. She was like, hey, do you think, you know, Teddy, who's our – oldest nephew, do you think he would have fun at Colts training camp? I'm like, yes. I mean, great for kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, You sit, like, picture a high school football game. You're you're closer to the action than you would be at a high school football game. and there's no track in between you and the stands. You know, players are very friendly, sign autographs afterwards. Um, So it's an awesome time to be able to see the Colts up close and personal.
3: But Plus, part... that place is so expansive. You can do, like, throw the football, or there's p- tons of games. Yeah, or... there has got, like, a cult City set up yeah, and all that. Yeah, there's tons of stuff yeah. to keep your kids' attention and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It's always yeah. a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Cheerleader pictures, blue, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yep. All, all that uh, alumni players, I'm sure, are there. All that stuff. But I, I don't remember in the, I guess now, almost, what, a dozen training camps that, that I've been to and, and covered, I never recall sitting here 24 hours from report day and already four practices are sold out. Yeah, and I'd... obviously you've got the two bears ones, which you know you are a guy that falls into the camp of big bears fan. Uh-huh. If it was probably the lions, you wouldn't you know be there. We usually wanna... try
3: to we usually try to get out to at least one. So we have done the joint practices. I think it was like the Browns a couple okay, of the, years Browns, the Ravens yeah. or something. But yeah, we we do try to make it out to at least one with the family. The the kids like having fun. So we do make it, and it just so happened that the Bears were the joint
2: practices. I was like, why don't you try to double down on this this year? So we did. And you look at Friday and Saturday, those are two of the other practices that are already sold out. Mark, it's 95 and 97 oh, yeah. those two days. Like, And what I think this is, and we'll see, you obviously have to show yourself as a product on the field, but I do think this is fans rallying around this kind of hope and, again, injection of life is kind of the phrase I've used with the Richardson draft selection of I mean, Mark, think about last time we watched the Colts play football. They had just ended the year with a dude that they took off TV to be their head coach. Mm -hmm. A quarterback that couldn't throw the ball down the field like, what, 10 yards, 15 yards with any effectiveness. And now it's like, okay, you've gotten modern. You've gotten a little bit more serious. And you've tried to create real hope. Rick Carlisle had a great comment, I thought, a few weeks ago. In relation to Tyrese Halliburton that I think applies to the Colts. Carlisle mentioned how, and like very honest, how dark of a place the Pacers were in as a franchise just a few years ago of, like, no real direction. They weren't modern at all. Where are we going? And how are we going to get there? Now, I would argue in the NBA it's more difficult to find that because you have to hit on the draft pick or pull off a trade. And in the Pacers' case, they pulled off a trade, and all of a sudden they've now created this energy to where... You know, Tyrese Halliburton's hosting these basketball camps and you know kids are you know thousands oh, yeah. of kids are, are are showing up to that whereas in the Colts case it's like you just went through one of the I don't think it's hyperbole to say it at all you just went through one of the darker seasons this franchise has had in quite some time now it's a credit to the franchise that they haven't had many seasons like that and now it's like all right they've got a map in their hand now finally and there's light at the end of the tunnel like that that's what they have now done by going down this path with the Shane Steichen and with an Anthony Richardson. Again, we're still a long ways away from finding the light at the end of the tunnel, but the fact that they have even attempted to do that I think is beyond refreshing, absolutely needed, and now we'll see how it all unfolds. But I think some of that is why you see, Mark, this fan interest yeah. here in this year's
3: camp. It could, it could very well be like the Anthony Richardson effect where where if he's not on the team, maybe those practices aren't sold out. Maybe people are like we're doing this again with like the veteran quarterback, like going to the well again and all that stuff. But maybe they fans have finally seen like okay, they've accepted that they're not going anywhere with the process that they've gone through the last couple of years. Now here's a new direction. They're pushing a new Shane Steichen as a head coach who's an offensive mind. You've got Anthony Richardson who can do a lot of things that most quarterbacks that the Colts have had under center the last couple of years can't do. He can roll out of the pocket and do all that stuff. So I think there is a lot of interest and excitement of what could possibly be, and you're seeing the effects with these sold-out training camp practices that people are intrigued. They want to see what could yeah. be on, in store
2: for 2023 and beyond. You know, you aren't trying to resurrect a QB for a third straight right. year, which it's obviously hindsight's 2020, but it was a bit asinine by Chris Bauer to think that he could resurrect. Three different types of QBs. You know, that just doesn't happen in the NFL. I mean, these guys just – Brady and Manning are are in a different class. And, and again, obviously their shelf lives in those second stops didn't last very long. But, like, what is a great resurrection story at quarterback in the NFL? Is is it Ryan Tannehill? Yeah, and even (laughs) that, is that considered a great resurrection? You, You could obviously make a strong argument there. So, yeah, we obviously have to be upfront about expectations with the Colts. But now you don't have this, like, depreciating asset at quarterback. You would now have said, all right. We've gotten away from the question of what does he have left in the tank? And it's okay. You have a potential quarterback who can stress defenses. The Colts haven't had a quarterback who I think has stressed. Honestly, they probably had a quarterback that has stressed fans more than defenses here recently. And, you know, in years past, it was you got to hit, you know, 15 singles to score three runs. Now it's a little bit more of a big play potential. And if you can develop and support, you potentially have something for you know, upwards the next decade.
3: Well, the QB talk is a perfect segue to get back into your list of 53 questions heading into Colts camp. I'll start with the one that's right at the top of the list. How will quarterback reps be divided up? I think that's an excellent question. I think that's one of the big storylines heading into this tr- Colts training camp. How much are they willing to start Gardner Minshew? He's currently at the top of the depth chart as number one. That also helps that Anthony Richardson has not signed his rookie contract yet, but how much reps does Anthony does Gardner Minshew get? And then, When he does sign, how much are they willing to put Anthony Richardson – how much are they willing to put on his plate in his rookie season? How many reps is he going to get in preseason? I think you need to give him a lot of reps in the preseason games, see what the kid can do, let him see a bunch of different looks from opposing defenses, and go from there. But I'm curious your thoughts.
2: You know, Mark, I'm going to circle these dates on the calendar, okay? August 1st and August 3rd. So that would be next Tuesday and Thursday. Mm -hmm. Those two practice days for me – will be days of the Colts finally showing their hand in, in regards to that question. I still think we'll get a Minshew-Richardson split largely here early on. I would venture to guess Minshew would continue to be that initial starter. You know, when we go out there on Wednesday, we go out there on Friday, we go out there Saturday night for the first couple practices. But when you get into next week, next week you practice Monday and then again, Tuesday the 1st, the Thursday the 3rd. You also practice next weekend, the 5th and the 6th. Night practice on the 5th. 6th is the Sunday is an afternoon practice. Mark, when you get to next weekend, you're a week out from the first preseason game. And remember, you only have three preseason games. The NFL changed that Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. And if you follow past precedent with how teams have handled joint practices leading into preseason games... You're going to those Bears joint practices, August 16th and 17th. Mark, you're going to see more starter versus starter action in those two joint practices than the fans will inside of Lucas Oil Stadium on August 19th, the only home preseason game the Colts have all year long. So when they get to midweek next week, that's where I'm kind of like, all right, if you're going to commit to one or the other, If you're going to scale back playing time in the preseason games, which, again, I don't know if that is the exact answer the Colts are going to have. Maybe Shane Steichen's different. Maybe he'll look at Richardson and view it in a different light. Maybe he'll look at Minshew and say he's with a new team. Uh, A lot of his pass catchers were banged up during the spring. If he's going to be our starter, then he needs to have reps. Uh, That is when I think the Colts are going to show their hand a little bit. Again, I've been a huge advocate for playing Richardson early on. I think Shane Steichen and Jim Irsay have not tempered expectations in that light Uh, Ballard probably more so than the other two and and I want to almost separate Minshew from it like to me it's you discuss as a coaching staff can our offensive line block which I guess is a fair question to ask (laughs) and if that is a check mark and the second question becomes can Anthony Richardson handle a scaled back game plan if you can check both those questions. Playing week one, yeah.
3: I, I, we, the the reps, especially in those joint practices, will be fascinating because we had Rick Demulling on last week, and he said joint practices when they had him in training camp were the most intense and the most productive, or unproductive days, on a Colts training camp schedule because he said you were getting work against other players that you wouldn't normally see. You got to see a whole bunch of different looks, and if you were a rookie and heading into that, you're like, oh blank, I'm in the NFL right now, and you're trying to figure out whether or not you belong in there and stuff. So, so the reps in the joint practices will be very fascinating to see. And like you said, camp ain't six weeks anymore. It's like a couple weeks, and then you're off into the preseason for three games, and like you said, you're not going to see as much time in the preseason as you will in the yeah, joint Yeah, 13 practices. practices. I mean, That's 13 it.
2: practices, yep. and again, those joint sessions usually mean you don't play a whole lot. And remember, you go to Philly yep. for the final preseason game, and you have a joint practice two days before that. So very curious to see how they they handle that. And, and as much as I, again, want – and think that Richardson should play week one, I, I still am not like – I don't have this great confidence that the Colts will follow through on that. We will see how it plays out, but I'm not sitting here right now being like he 1,000% is going to be the week one starter. When we
3: when we get to the preseason, I'll be very curious to see if he plays like a full quarter or a half or how, how they're actually going to divvy that up. That, that will be very interesting to me as well. Another one that's very interesting to me on your list of 53 questions heading into Colts camp, Kev. How high is the urgency to sign a veteran cornerback? Now, obviously, with the irate Zaya Rogers suspension and release, uh, there's a lot more pressure on Kenny Moore and company to step up in the secondary. We discussed this last week. I think it's a big issue uh, because you look at the schedule, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty doable. But if you go through the list of wide receivers that are coming to the Colts on basically a week-in and week-out basis, that group is going to be tested are early and often throughout the 2023 season. I mean, you've got Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, T. Higgins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Calvin Ridley, Odell Beckham Jr., Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins. Those are all on the list. Like, those are some big name wide receivers and groups coming in on a week in week out basis for the Colts.
2: Should we get a Calvin Ridley, Isaiah Rodgers money line bet on the Colts Jags game?
3: Oh, can we? Are we? Is, that's allowed for us. Is that is
2: that too soon on that? No, I think that's okay. Uh, well, I mean, you were talking about cornerback, and I so I figured yep, Isaiah Rogers' mention was was relevant there. Mark, I, I'm good with no veteran yet. Um, I think did I see something about Marcus Peters like visiting a couple teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he's been a popular name because if you go back, remember Chris Boward was a big uh, kind of background check guy on Marcus Peters back during the draft process. I mean, hell, this would have been nearly a decade ago by now with Kansas City, but. Um, I'm good with rolling what you what you have there. And obviously what you have there is a ton of youth. And I know that Kenny Moore, I mean, you and I talked about it last week, Mark, on my podcast. I mean, Kenny Moore is one of the more indispensable Colts this season, which is wild to say that about a guy that you'd also probably label as maybe the most disappointing Colt from last year. So... Um, You know, Dallas Flowers is going to play a huge role as a second-year player. Juju Brents has a beautiful opportunity to try and be a week one starter. I think Darius Rush, the fifth-round pick out of South Carolina, is a guy to keep an eye on as well. Um, I would play the youth. I've stood by this kind of notion all throughout the offseason. The positions that don't directly impact quarterback and Anthony Richardson, I'm good with the youth movements there.
3: I was told in the break, by the way, that Juju Brents, though he's unsigned now, might not be too long until that deal is made official. So
4: Okay. yeah, and keep, that- your,
3: keep your ears out. That could be something that could be coming in the next couple of hours or later today, but sounds like he his deal may be, may be finalized. So, and that
2: goes back to our earlier question we had of it's him, Richardson, and Blake Freeland. Those mm-hmm. are the three rookies still left unsigned. I know a lot of Colts fans – Probably recall, and certainly Jake does from his days, you know, covering the team a little bit more on an in depth basis. You know, you you used to have these rookie holdouts that would like bleed into the start of camp, and it was awkward and messy. And just, I mean, talk about an awful first impression. Well, you know, you go back to the collective, um, uh, collective bargaining agreement, and you know, the NFLPA and the owners decided, all right, let's just get a rookie wage scale in here to make this a little bit more easy of a process. Now, there is some signing bonuses and stuff that. You still have to sift through, but my expectation, again, is you know, come Wednesday morning, each of those three guys are going to be out there.
3: Oh yeah, I I would expect so. I mean, usually the only thing that's hanging up at this point is either guaranteed money or like offset language as far as like if you reach this threshold, then so and so bonuses get applied and all that stuff. So I would be shocked if we get to Wednesday and Anthony Richardson has not signed on the dotted line as far as his rookie contract
2: is concerned. I can't believe it's going to be ninety-seven degrees on Friday. (laughs) you better like i said you better hydrate my friend now we're out of the state fair on friday i know before colts camp right first day of, of the state fair and yeah. you said a four pack that we're giving away for the pop quiz four pack of tickets to the indiana
3: state fair all week long once again so we'll have that in the pop quiz at 9:30 but yeah you guys you guys have got a busy week a lot of remotes this week so uh tuesday wednesday At Colts Camp, Thursday at the State Fair, Friday back at Colts Camp, I believe is the schedule.
2: And so, Colts Camp on Wednesday, I'm trying to look at the schedule right now. Their first practice is at 10 a.m., Colts City opens up at 9. So, I think that is gates open at 9 uh, for that. So, you know, usually we're down there in one of the end zones. Come by, say hi. We uh, obviously enjoy interacting, we don't do this a whole, whole lot. Um, and we don't, have, be don't out- have Jake do any impressions by the do hey, Jake do the British one. No. No, thank you. I mean, the fact that I got what I got the email late last week, Jake will be out on Monday, the day that we've had to recap a little bit of the British Open. I can't think of a better day for him to be out. <laughs> You
3: kind of were thanking your lucky stars. I thought I was seeing things. You got that email. You're like, oh, wow. Vacation
2: still bleeds into the workday. I'm like, I'm going to screenshot this. And, you know, if I've had a couple of, you know, day drinks today, I want to make sure that I, you know, read this correctly here uh, (laughs) once all that clears up. So, yes, Jake, we'll be back, of course, tomorrow on
3: that end. Anything else on your list that you want to get into? Obviously, there's the Shaq Leonard and linebacker situation going forward with just his unknown health situation and all that, was there anything else on your list that you wanted to hit on here?
2: I I think you always get into the position battles, Mark, and, you know, how that evolves throughout camp. Obviously, Richardson and Minshew is one that is a dominant storyline. You know, I I think for the second straight year, we're about ready to walk into training camp, and I'm looking at the offensive line competition, and I'm like, where is it? Uh Uh-huh. I mean, you're running it back. Yep. With the same five of last year. You are hoping 2022 was just an off year for everybody. You are. And that's a dangerous game to play. And, Mark, you just asked the question should you sign a veteran corner? If you said, should you sign a veteran guard? I would have said, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, because, again, those are the positions for me that directly impact Richardson more than some of that youth on the other side of the ball. So I think once you get out of the Taylor Pittman extension debates, you know, Leonard's health situation certainly is a topic. That will be huge tomorrow. I mean, we're gonna find out tomorrow if he opens up on the physically una- unable to perform list or not to start camp. Uh, once you get, I think, past those things, you know, you do have some position battles. Potentially, right guard, uh, certainly in the secondary at cornerback, that would fall into play there. And it's not necessarily a position battle, but what is the role for a guy like EJ Speed? And a lot of that is Shaquille Leonard dependent. But I do think Speed's a guy that has shown some intrigue in years past. What exactly? Um, things look like for him this season next to Zaire Franklin is a big storyline. Coming up in a few, we're going to get a little bit more on the Pacers All-Star Weekend. Again, coming up in February, Saturday night of All-Star Weekend will be over at Lucas Oil Stadium. So think uh, dunk contest, three-point shootout. Last year, what, Halliburton and Heald? In yeah. Uh-huh. So you could get Halliburton and Heald in the three-point. Obi Toppin former Slam Dunk champ, mm-hmm. you could certainly get in the Slam Dunk contest. So you could have a lot of Pacers flavor to that night. Um, it's going to be, I think, 30, maybe 35,000 fans inside of Lucas Oil Stadium for that. That is a much different feel and atmosphere than Saturday night of All-Star Weekend typically has been. Typically, they just have those events in the same NBA arena that you play the game in on Sunday. We know the game Sunday will be over at Gainbridge Fieldhouse. But again, Saturday night over at Lucas Oil, and coming up later this morning... Uh, 10,500 tickets will go on sale. I believe all the prices to these uh, tickets are under $100. Different price ranges like 29, 40 something, 70 something. You're talking about NBA All-Star weekend. Those are extremely manageable oh, yeah. when you compare them to other events of this magnitude. So, Danny Lopez from the Pacers going to join us to chat a little bit about that here in a few I'm curious again. Curious to see
3: sh- if the, if the All-Star Saturday night is kind of like a test bubble for, like, what they do for future All-Star games. Maybe they'll go to yeah, bigger stadiums going forward.
2: Yeah, you know, obviously when you're in Dallas, for example, you yeah. play in Jerry's World, mm-hmm. and then, you know, you play the game and where the Mavericks play on Sunday. Um, so, again, we'll chat with Danny Lopez coming up at 8.30. About that from the Pacers. Joel A. Erickson, training camp preview at 9. A lot to get to, though, here on the Morning Checkdown.
3: All right, Kev, mark the time because I'm going to only do this once. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs.
2: Oh, my Kevin's gosh. Kevin's Red Seth Legs. Sam, Fritz, cut the audio.
3: <laughs> Kevin's Red Legs. That's a day sweep, maker.
2: That's a, that's a week maker for Sweep, me.
3: Sweep my Diamondbacks. My Diamondbacks are tailing off in this second half. My goodness. Reds get the 7-3 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now a huge series oh, upcoming. The Brewers huge. on the docket in Milwaukee for the Cincinnati Red Legs, but a great weekend. For what didn't look very good for a second oh, half man. start for the Cincinnati Reds, Dude. they they may they have made Kevin's weekend right there. Elsewhere in baseball, my Cubs got three out of four against the St. Louis Cardinals, seven to two yesterday. Twins edged the White Sox in extras, five to four. Elsewhere, Braves over the Brewers, four to two. What do we got here? Oh, Jake's Jake's, uh, good, cute fella. 5-3 over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Orioles in first place in the ALEs. The Yankees at the bottom of the ALEs. You really hate to see that. That's really unfortunate. That is them. a crowded division, right? Uh, I'm going to kick you where it hurts a little bit. Your uh, Oakland Athletics still stink. Uh, they lost to Houston three to two they have what 74 losses on the season right now
2: do they have anybody to sell here the next week or are they so bad they maybe can't the even one be all sellers?
3: the one all-star game all-star game player that they were gifted on the roster which we got to get rid of that you can't have every team represented like what the hell the a's have an, a representative on <laughs> like if you have a contract that says if you make the all-star game and you're one of the guys that got bumped for the a's uh, to get a representative that get is the hell out of here
2: that is fair. Uh, huge for the Reds, as you said, Mark. Three-game series for the Brewers. They are 2-8 and eight against Milwaukee on the year, and this is the final time these two teams are going to meet this uh, season. Uh, so Let's
3: get a prediction here. What do you What do think is happening here? Uh,
2: Reds take 2-3. Ooh, ooh, in Milwaukee, ooh. Joel Erickson, diehard Brewers fan, ooh, coming up here we, in a half hour. We should maybe have a wager between you two, ooh. heading into Colts camp, maybe. I think I, I, think I like that idea here. Uh, IndyCar over the weekend, Joseph Newgarden. That would have been a pretty good wager. He sweeps both oval races. In Iowa, again, a really cool weekend that they have uh, had here. The partnership with High V seems to be tremendous. Concerts with Zach Brown Band, Kenny Chesney. I saw Ed Sheeran waving the green flag, Carrie Underwood. Uh, great work by IndyCar and certainly the High vee group there uh, with the Iowa Oval. Uh, Newgarden is now second, or stays in second, I should say, of the season series standings. He does trim the massive Alex Pillow lead down to 80 points. So, still doable, very unlikely, but... Uh, Pillow finished third yesterday. That was an important finish for him. IndyCar now off this weekend, in Nashville. So we'll get the second uh, iteration of that Nashville street race coming up here in two weeks. And then back to Indy, Brickyard weekend. Mm-hmm. And remember, IndyCar is a road course race coming up there the second weekend of August. So keep your eyes peeled to that.
3: Game after snapping their seven-game losing streak. The Fever are right back in the loss column. They fell to the New York Liberty 101-83 yesterday. Not great, 6-15 on the season. Now back-to-back games against the L.A. Sparks starting on Tuesday night.
2: Uh, British Open from over the weekend. Brian Harmon gets it done. The 36-year-old Georgia product. Hadn't won since 2017. Pretty much has been like a very average, just slightly above average American golfer in his career, uh, but never won a major, never really kind of sniffed being in serious contention outside of one U.S. Open for winning a major. And as much as I did not want to see him win and wanted to see more entertainment, uh, how can you not credit him for maintaining that lead of at least five shots after Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's round? Really one of the more dominant major performances you are going to see. Uh, he didn't give up. Uh, in terms of giving up that lead to create a little bit of you know, pressure-packed moments on Sunday. And no one made a real run at him at all. So Brian Harmon is your major winner there in the British Open. Coming up next,
3: Danny Lopez, VP of External Relations and Corporate Communications with the Pacers, an all around good guy. Going to join us at good 8.30. He's dude. got some all star game information for us. Danny Lopez of the Pacers coming up next. It's Kevin and Quarry on this Monday morning 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. <laughs>
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: All right, we'll get back into the Colts conversation here. Coming up, Joel A. Erickson, again from The Star, going to join us at... Nine, but let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline right now, and a big-time event coming to Indianapolis in February is the NBA All-Star Game, and the NBA All-Star Weekend includes Saturday night festivities over at Lucas Oil Stadium, and again, this is something uh, to do with whether it's dunk contest, three-point contest, skills competition. It's um, going to be really cool, and a lot of people can get into the building. A lot of people right here in our own backyard have an opportunity for that later today. And for more on that, Danny Lopez from the Pacers joins us here. Uh, Danny, first off, good morning to you. Thank you, as always.
0: Good morning. Thanks for having me on.
2: Uh, walk us through what entails today. I think I've got the details right, but uh, I feel a little bit uh, better if, if you're the one that kind of details everything yeah. for what fans can get a hold of today.
0: Yeah, it's, it's an exciting day because we're going on sale at, at two o'clock uh, this afternoon for uh, for that first batch of of tickets to All Star Saturday Night. I mean, if, if you uh, if you're like me and you grew up in the '80s, All Star Saturday Night, that dunk contest, three point contest. I mean, that's that's really some of the most memorable moments, I guess, from all-star. It's kind of what everybody takes away. And uh, and to be able to get that many people, 35,000 people, into the building, doing it at Lucas Oil, uh, you know, we, we try to do these events differently, as you all know, and, and this was a, a big push for us to try to make this more accessible. So those tickets go on sale. It's $24, $49, $79 tickets, but they're going to fly. Uh, we've restricted them to people in Indiana, so you can only purchase today if, if you're in an Indiana zip code. Um, But it's NBAallstar2024.com at 2 p.m. And those things are going to fly. And so we we want people to get in. And is this the one and only wave that will be made available
3: strictly for Indiana residents or will there be more to follow once more tickets become available? How's that going to work?
0: I mean, so for Indiana residents strictly, yeah, the NBA hasn't said yet what they're going to do, how they're going to put all the rest of them on sale. And a lot of that will be through NBA experiences or NBA packages. So if you want to get in, you want to make sure you're in the building, This is the chance. So uh, 2 p.m. today.
2: Okay. And give us that website one more time, Danny.
0: It's NBAAllStar2024.com.
2: Got it. NBAAllStar2024.com. Again, 2 p.m. today, 10,500 tickets available. Those price ranges, um, boy, when you consider the 2023 market, extremely affordable. Again, this is for Saturday night of All-Star weekend um this might be a more of an nba related question but do we know yet how the tickets will be divided up for sunday of the actual all-star game which is over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse?
0: we don't we're working through all of that the league is working through all of that we won't know that for some time uh so you know i mean i think we've got we've got several months obviously there's gonna be several months of announcements we'll be making announcements around you know where things are going to go and where all the events will be held we know that the all-star game itself will be at GameBridge, and, and now, of course, we know that uh, Saturday night will be at Lucas Oil, but all those th- those details are going to be coming together. I mean, the thing that we want to make sure that people understand, and we we just hit on this every chance we get, is whether or not you're coming to Saturday night or you're coming to Sunday's game or anything else, uh, there'll be an HBCU game, there's a rookie game, there's a the celebrity game, there's all these opportunities. And then, of course, you've got FanFest that's happening downtown, and you, you just have a ton with All-Star, a ton of pop-up retail We'll have DJs. We'll have all kinds of things going on downtown uh, for people to, to enjoy. So we want to make sure people understand they can come downtown, enjoy the festivities, whether or not you're coming out to one of the games.
3: I think it's a fantastic idea to have an All-Star Saturday night at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's more fan-inclusive. Uh, is yeah. this kind of like a test bubble for the NBA as far as future All-Star games are concerned, where they might do the All-Star Saturday nights in bigger venues and then have the, the Sunday actual game in the arenas? Is this kind of like a test yeah. bubble for everything?
0: Yeah, so uh, again, we always – we always push the limits. I mean, when you, when you think back about, you know, to the, to the Super Bowl and the engagement around the Super Bowl Village and everything else, I mean, that was sort of breaking the mold for the NFL. And we that's the approach that we take, is how do we push the NBA to do different kinds of things and they're great partners and they're really anxious to make this a great event. Um, you know, having this done this way certainly is different. When we were in Salt Lake City last year for, for that one, I mean, I think the, the least expensive seats for Saturday night were, were several hundred dollars, I mean, like $500 seats. Um, and you know, you, you did it, they did it in the arena, so it was sort of confined to, in the, in that capacity. This allows us to do different things. We're taking a, a group. The host committee's taking 2,400 tickets and distributing through through local community centers to make sure we get people in there that even at these price points couldn't couldn't pay for these tickets. Uh, we're doing things. We're working with Indigo, so the bus services for this entire stretch of of events. Is going to be free for anybody. And also, we're extending services so that people can get in and out of these events uh, in downtown at, at late hours when they end. So, I mean, just trying to do this in a different way. So it's not just an event that happens on Saturday and Sunday, it comes and goes, it's super corporate. We're trying to make this ours and have people feel ownership over it and and give people access to it in in a different kind of way than we've ever done.
2: Again, Danny Lopez with us. He's got the longest business card in the entire Indianapolis area, Vice President for External Affairs and Corporate Communications at Pacers Sports and Entertainment. Um, Walk us through best you can – just a rough schedule for that weekend. Again, Saturday night, Lucas Oil, we know, skills competition, dunk contest, three points. Sunday, the game at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Mm-hmm. Friday, if I'm not mistaken, in years past, it's kind of been like the rising stars, maybe the celebrity game. And yeah. we know the rising stars, you know, Andrew Nemhard, Benedict Mather, and those guys have taken part in that here recently. Do I have that Friday part right? Am I missing anything Saturday, Sunday, anything on mm-hmm. Thursday?
0: So it hasn't, none of that has been confirmed yet. So I don't want to get in front of the league, but obviously you hit those two uh, last year. That's how it was. And you did hit those two events, which are big ones. The celebrity event is always big. The rising stars event is always big and we'll surely have players in that as well uh, this year. Um, Then, you know, last year they started the HBCU uh, game. So we'll have HBCU teams uh, playing in here. You also have open practice. You have media day. You've got a number of things. And then, of course, FanFest, which, you know, we, we haven't announced it, but uh, obviously it's going to have to be in a big venue downtown uh, to have um, to have FanFest come in. And that's, you know, tens of thousands of people coming through uh, to, to kind of experience everything that there is about about NBA All-Star through FanFest. So um, so there's those kinds of events. But, again, what, what I would say is the beauty of, of All-Star that makes it different from pretty much every other event uh, of this kind is just a number of organic things that just pop up, and things that are going to be open, and ways that restaurants are going to take advantage of this, and bars are going to take advantage of this, and retail will take advantage of this. I mean, I, I think if you come downtown, you're going to know that you're in All Star. You're going to feel it because we're going to set it up so that you feel it right out of the gate. Um, and then, uh, and then when you're here, there's going to be just so many things for you to do and get involved in, uh, even outside of these of these games. Danny Lopez
3: joining us on Kevin Inquiry on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Danny, every time I drive past Gainbridge Fieldhouse, there's something going on. There's a lot of renovations going on. What's the latest going on there, and uh, when's the next phase going to be completed?
0: Yeah, so we are done. If anybody's been been there, folks have been there, it's, we're done on the inside of the building, completely done. The plaza's the last piece, and you can see that. If you drive by, you can see the final uh, touches being put on the on the big public art uh, pieces that are out there, and then we're going to be doing something hopefully here in August to open up that plaza officially uh, and and get the ball rolling. And then you know you've got the commission row, uh, the 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 event center and restaurant and speakeasy that's happening right on the plaza that's being built. That'll be done in time for All Star. You know, so all of this is happening in and around the building. And then you know essentially from a from a construction standpoint, from the buildings and and, and the plaza, we're done which is nice. I mean, we've been in this for three years, essentially. So three year, $400 million project, second largest in the history of the league. So it's been a lot of work, a lot of renovations, a lot of construction. And hopefully uh, when we get out of this year, we'll be done. Okay,
2: Danny, I want to make sure we have this right. One more time, two o'clock today, 10,500 tickets will be for sale to people right here in the state of Indiana. Uh, the ticket ranges from 24 to 49 to $79. This is for Saturday night, all-star weekend, Uh ticket master, Can they come over to the box office there? Is there a maximum number of tickets? Anything else that I'm missing there there's,
0: from that? There's a maximum, there's a max number of eight tickets per purchase okay. and, um, and, and, and they should go to the, to the, to the site. NBA all-star 2024.com is, is the way to do it. And, and again, it's, it's 10,500 tickets, so it will fly. There's a lot of interest in this. So I encourage people to get on uh, early and, and make sure they, they hold their spot.
2: Great work by you guys. Great work by, obviously, the people here in the city of Indianapolis. Continue to find unique ways to put on marquee events. I think this is an awesome idea, getting more people into that building, helping us out from a local standpoint uh, for fans to have access to that and doing it at a pretty affordable price range when you look at what typically are those prices for Saturday night. Uh, Again, Danny Lopez, Vice President for External Affairs and Corporate Communications at Pacers Sports and Entertainment. Danny, hope to see you uh, soon. Probably the golf outing coming up here in a a couple months.
0: That's right. Always one of the best events. I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to good weather. Love it,
2: Thanks, Danny.
5: Thank you, Danny. All right. See you. See you guys. Thanks,
2: Danny Lopez. Right there on the Payless Liquors hotline, Mark. I know it. Like maybe you know my excitement there sounds like I'm carrying a little bit of the Pacers. Well, I think this is awesome. Oh yeah. I can't wait. Like look at the prices in years past in other cities. When the Saturday night activities, and you could argue Saturday night is better than Sunday night, or maybe it's cooler. You know, I I know the dunk contest, this and that. You know, whatever is the debate there. Certainly, you know, not the same level of names that you've had in years past. But if you want to say at some point in your life, yeah, I went to All Star Weekend here in Indiana. You have an ability at two o'clock today to find, whatever, a $49 ticket. Is it going to be the greatest viewing experience inside of Lucas Oil Stadium watching a basketball game kind of in the end zone? Yeah. No, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. It's not great on the eyes, but I think it'll be pretty cool to say that you were there. Obviously, a ton of fan events around Lucas Oil and GameBridge throughout the weekend. Um, awesome idea um, by the people in charge there to think of kind of a different spin yeah. on a weekend that has just kind of a lot of uh, you know, normalcy to it of NBA Arena Saturday, NBA, NBA Arena on Sunday.
3: Yeah, we did the uh, Madden 99 ratings came out last week, and I kind of posed the question, what is a 99 that Indy does better than everybody? And the consensus consensus seemed to be Indy does big events better than anybody. So the All-Star game is obviously a huge event coming to town. I expect they hit a home run once again uh, when it comes here, and I think it's just a fantastic idea that they have it at Lucas Oil Stadium on All-Star Saturday night. Should be a fantastic time. We appreciate Danny Lopez hopping on with us to give us a bit more info. And obviously, if you want to go, get get online at 2 o'clock.
2: We've got a bit of an unfortunate NFL news yes. item uh, for a player of Colts fan interest here to touch on, and I'm curious if that news should have any impact on Jonathan Taylor leverage <laughs> or not here in the coming days, coming weeks. We'll explain more on the other side. Uh, Joel A. Erickson going to join us at the top of the hour to talk Colts camp as well. Kevin Aquary here, Mark Dyckton filling in for Jake on this Monday morning.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Kevin and Query on a Monday morning, and uh, right before we headed to break, some brutal news coming from the NFL Big Wigs insiders. Uh, Bill's running back and former Colt Naheem Hines suffered a significant injury off-site and is expected to miss the entire 2023 season. Obviously, brutal news for the Bills and for Naheem Hines, uh, especially before training camps really Boy. get underway.
2: You know, Tom Pellicero had that from NFL Network, a, a knee injury, significant knee injury was the exact phrase from Pellicero there. Um, you know, one of the things about Naheem Hines, Mark, that I thought always kind of separated him from other running backs, sure, his versatility, you know, he can line, you know do some things out of the backfield, Obviously, from a return standpoint, can help you out there, but durability stood out more than anything. Yeah. Uh, Hines has missed, and I guess now it'll be this number's going to rise significantly. Uh, but Mark, he'd missed one game in his NFL career, one game, and that, I mean that's for a running back. Now, granted, you know it's not just the you know normal wear and tear of a twenty carry guy. That's never really been you know his usage here in the NFL, but for any running back. You know, and Hines does returns, and he you know played a lot of snaps here in Indianapolis. For him to have gone five seasons in the NFL and just missed one game, and I can't recall many, if any, times he was ever even on the injury report here in Indy. Uh, that is pretty shocking. And again, it's what kind of separated him from a lot of other running backs. I mean, and, and I just think it begs the question. And you know, sure, there are situation. I don't want to act like there won't be you know, a handful of these types of stories, Mark, that come out over the next 48, 72 hours. You know, whatever. Chris Bauard meets with the media tomorrow at Colts Report Day, and he might say, hey, insert random linebacker. Yeah, he suffered a hamstring injury while training two weeks ago, and he's going to miss a month or two. But it's just when it comes to running back, it feels like these sorts of things happen a little bit more frequently than other position groups. And for me, it's just another reminder of why the shelf life is so short and so limited, even with extremely durable guys like Hines. And when they suffer significant injuries, I just think it's harder to come back from, particularly a guy like Hines, when, you know, consider him a shifty guy. Um, You know, lateral quickness and and straight line speed obviously are big strengths to him. You consider him almost
3: an outlier for injuries because he plays running back, and he's on the kick return team which those
2: are two of the most brutal yeah mm-hmm. brutal positions to be in as far and, as And still it, plays a little bit of wide out yeah. which you know you don't c- categorize as the other two spots but you know his role in buffalo was I thought a little head scratching to mm-hmm. be honest with you he really didn't play a ton for them offensively no. I think the moment we all remember from last year was remember the first game after DeMar Hamlin's situation oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and Naeem Hines takes the opening kickoff back for a touchdown in buffalo against the patriots yeah. And then did he? Didn't he take another one back in the same game?
3: Did he? Maybe that might be true. I, I know there was the one for sure. I don't know if I remember if there was the second one or not. But yeah, those were like the highlights of his acquisition and stuff. Because until then, he kind of went under the radar. Yeah, and limited. Yeah, after that, it limited
2: on, on offense. He played uh, ten snaps in their first playoff game, and then four snaps in their second playoff game. So, you know what his role would look like then. Uh, come Yeah, he had a 96-yard kick return and then a 101-yard kick return. That is wild there. First qu- opening kickoff of the game and then midway through the third quarter. But, uh, you know, these types of stories, Mark, are things, though, that just we'll have to, you know, monitor over the next 24 hours. It's not – it wasn't a season ender, but I remember Ballard's Report Day press conference back in 2018. That was – when he made the announcement that Anthony Costanzo had suffered a hamstring injury while training off-site, that was the hamstring that then he aggravated at some point during training camp. And I want to say he missed, it was either the first five games of 2018 or five of the first six, you know, a a Mm -hmm. substantial period of time. And again, Costanzo fell in the Heinz category. Super durable. You're not used to these injuries with, with, with these guys because they've been so durable throughout their careers. And if you remember, the start of that 2018 season, Frank Reich's first, Andrew Luck coming back from his persistent shoulder issues. That was when the Colts started one and five. So you know this is just something that obviously happens. Uh, doesn't happen at a high high rate, but uh, will be a question to ask Chris Bauer tomorrow.
3: We are about to enter the uh, the time where we're going to get a bunch of like, oh, didn't didn't participate today, limited participants, all that fun designations for injuries. This was a rest day. This was a you know veteran off day, and this and that. So. Yeah, we're in it now where we'll, we're trying to have to, like, you know, pick the pieces of is this actually an injury to be concerned about? Is this just a rest day? What's going on here and stuff?
2: So. And I guess how Shane Steichen handles that, Mark, will mm-hmm. be something to watch as well. You know, Frank yeah. Reich at one point was like, I will give veteran rest days a lot. You know, every third day, okay, if you want to sit out, Jack Doyle, if you want to sit out, you know, Mathis wasn't on the team. I'm trying to think of other veteran guys that would fall into that category. help Anthony Casanzo would have considering his his age uh, you know the Shane Sekin want to do that you know practice times are not very long nope if you look at the schedule it's like an hour and 15 maybe an hour and a half for these practice times so you know is it a shorter practices, but we're going to be pretty intense within that time frame that'll be something to keep an eye on this goes back to the spring mark um it was a storyline we talked about back in mid-june. I would say one of the bummers for Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson in the spring, their pass catchers, the notable names in the wideout tight end group, and I guess even Jonathan Taylor, given the fact that he is your top running back, they missed substantial periods of time in the spring. Now, it's the spring. That's when you want these guys to nurse any injury that they need to, and you obviously want them full go for camp. But when you talk about the Colts now into training camp, And this is the list. I mean, again, Jonathan Taylor missed the entire spring. Now, what did Jim Mercer say a couple weeks ago? He's fully healed. He's ready to go. Josh Downs, the rookie at North Carolina, he missed several weeks in the spring due to a knee injury. Uh, Michael Pittman missed several weeks due to a hip injury, kind of a lingering one. Jelani Woods out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Drew Ogletree, we talked about him earlier, the rookie tight end who had a nice training camp last year. He obviously is coming back from the ACL he wasn't out there during the spring. You look at guys on defense, you know Juju Brents, the corner from Warren Central, he had the wrist injury, Darius Rush, the 5th round pick out of South Carolina with his hamstring, Jake's favorite player, Rigoberto Sanchez oh, yeah. with the Achilles Top, injury. Uh, he was out during the spring, so you know it, it's a long list. Tyquan Lewis I think is on that list. Obviously Shaquille Leonard's on that list, but basically all those names; those are names you've got to throw about and say, "Hey, are any of them still going to be out, lingering into camp?" Because it's one thing to miss May and June; it's another thing to miss all of a sudden. It's August fourth, and you still haven't seen that guy in eight or nine months. Well,
3: I think you t- kind of touched on it too. Is Shane Steichen and the coaching staff? It's all; it's a whole new crew. So they want to see what they have in these guys that are on the roster. I don't think they have any, any you know, dedication to any of these sure. veterans yeah. or anything like that. They want to say, "Hey, who is going to make my fifty-three? Who's going to make this team better?" They don't care about your background. Right, exactly. So I will be very curious to see, too, how they treat veteran rest days, how they treat reps going on in training camp and as well as the preseason. They have a clean slate as far as the roster is concerned as well. They're like, we don't have any any allegiance to anybody. It's kind of who can play, who can do what. Let's see what you got.
2: So, again, just announced by Tom Pelicero of NFL Network, Naheem Hines suffered a significant knee injury off-site and is expected to miss the entire 2023 season. Hines missed one game in his NFL career. Obviously, the Colts traded him to Buffalo uh, midway through last season. And uh, unfortunate news for, again, the dude that I always enjoy talking to. I always loved having him on our show. Um, speaking of that, you know, tomorrow, report day, uh, hoping to have a few players on the show tomorrow as Jake and I will be out there. And then, um, you know, looking for kind of a consistent player appearance throughout. The morning practices will be up there seven times, Mark, eight times. Does that sound right? Quite a
3: bit. Yeah, you guys are basically, you might as well just get like a Coleman tent and just pop it up there and you guys Oof. can spend the night. You and you and, you and and Jake Boy, having like a little sleepover, roast some marshmallows, tell stories, ghost stories maybe. You know, not
2: to act like I'm this outdoorsman, but can you see Jake sleeping in a tent? Oh, no,
3: no. He would attract bears instantly. He's like, I'll look at my colognes yeah, I've got. You'd have to have
2: a tent for the cologne.
3: I've got some Bucky's nuggets here. Mm-hmm. You want me to rip this bag open, yeah. Kev?
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, shower and gel, you know, gel before he goes to bed and then gel to wake up early in the morning on that front. Yeah, yeah, I cannot see Jake doing that whatsoever. But we will be up there for Colts training camp morning shows throughout all those morning practices. I believe it's like eight of the 13 practices are in the morning and we'll be out there each of those days, including tomorrow for Ru- Report Bay in Westfield. More on all of this. Joel Erickson going to join us on the other side from the star as we preview Colts training camp here on Kevin on a two or on a Monday morning.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
2: All right, 9 o'clock hour here. Kevin and Query on a Monday. Jake will be back tomorrow. He is en route from Iowa after doubleheader this weekend on the IndyCar circuit. Uh, Tomorrow we'll be in Westfield for Colts training camp report day. Um, Tentatively scheduled to have DeForest Buckner and Ryan Kelly join us for that. So looking forward to chatting with both of those tomorrow. And somebody that will be up there as well as the fun is over, um, I guess, unless his Brewers continue to own my Reds. Joel A. Erickson joins us. We need to get that wager figured out for me, too. I know, I know. Joel, why are the Brewers so good against the Reds? Pitching.
3: Yeah. That is the big it's, difference. The Reds' pitching stinks.
5: Well, it's it's less about – I think it's less about the, – because the Reds' pitching has actually been pretty good against the Brewers' terrible lineup. Um, but I think it's more to do with uh, that's that's how the Brewers beat teams anyway, and so I think that when they when they go up against the Reds, that that pitching usually beats a lineup, and that's usually what's that's that's what's happened. Now I will say this series coming up, uh, as a notoriously pessimistic fan, I'm thinking. <laughs> the tables mathematically have to turn at some point. So I'm I'm terrified going into this week, going into this the three games. What do you think the
2: pie chart is on pessimistic fans versus optimistic fans? Just like in general sports. Is it like 90-10 pessimism? Yeah, probably.
5: Probably. There's there's like different there's different levels though. Um you know, because you have like the pessimistic fan who just like thinks like uh it's not gonna happen when their team is bad, but then you have like like I'm in the category of even when my team is good, I still think they're bad. Gosh. And there's no way that things could go well. We so, you know,
2: and I view Joel as like a friendly, happy individual. Not so, uh, during <laughs> Brewers games no, like apparently. No, I trust guys. I've seen him watch Brewers games uh, from our from our media perch at uh, during Colts practices, occasionally when there is a day game or something along that end. We need a friendly wager before we get
3: off the air with yeah.
2: Joel. Yeah, we do. Again, Joel Erickson <laughs> is with us here from the Star. Report day tomorrow for camp, Wednesday the first practice. Tomorrow we will chat with Chris Ballard. Joel, uh, give me your top three questions for the GM.
5: Well, how does he feel about Jonathan Taylor's contract and everything that's going on with the running backs um, in general? Yeah. Um, Where's what's where's where's Shaq Leonard on his on his injury journey back? And uh how many you know, how many reps? What's the plan for Anthony Richardson?
2: I feel like that, that covers anything. I'm not are you worried at all that Richardson hasn't or should Colts fans, I guess, be worried that Richardson hasn't signed his contract?
5: I'm not yet. Maybe I'm being naive. I keep thinking it's gonna be like I don't know. He walks in the door and signs it.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
5: Um, so I I don't know. I know he's been back in Indy, but I can't I can't remember exactly what the I think the NFL rules are like when you're supposed to be the CBA rules are when you're you're off. You're technically not supposed to be there at all or something. Um, so I keep thinking I keep thinking it's going to happen like today or or tomorrow at the at the latest. Um, if if, it, if he is, for some reason, not in camp, then, yes, I would be worried because he's a rookie quarterback He needs as much development as possible. I just can't imagine it. There's there's not a lot in these contracts to haggle over, especially the first-round ones. So I, I just keep thinking that it's something that is probably going to happen here soon. Um, like I said, maybe
1: I'm being naive.
3: I'm with you, Joel. I think if it bleeds into Wednesday, then, then the warning flags start going up a little bit. But until then, I, I'm – cautiously optimistic that it'll get done before then any stars Joel A. Erickson joining us on the paylist liquors and hotline it's Kevin and query uh storylines outside of Anthony Richardson Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr. contracts and Shaq Leonard Joel uh what else has your attention heading into camp
5: depth at cornerback well starters at cornerback but depth at cornerback and what what's who's who's the backups on the offensive line um it, are, are big ones for me uh just, just because. Slot receiver, throw slot receiver in there too. Josh Downs versus Isaiah McKenzie, presumably. Um, but those those two positions, cornerback and offensive line, have felt thin all off season. Cornerback obviously got thinner, um, and they haven't. I've seen some some signings and some visits from veteran corners. Colts haven't really made one yet, necessarily. Um, that that position is one I'm very interested in. Both of those positions, because the offensive line thing, you know, people care a lot about the starters, but I mean just based on previous camps like there's a good chance that like you know we're finding out who in a week or so we're finding out who who's the top backups right now just because you know someone's got something nagging and they're holding him out
3: I mean that does Kevin and I were kind of talking about that earlier that with offensive line it's almost like they have just run it back and said okay everyone had an off 2022 season let's see what happens in 2023 I mean is that how you view it as well that they're Basically running this back
2: and seeing what happens. I'm
5: blaming yeah, on coaching betting,
2: more than personnel.
5: Yeah, they're betting heavily, I think, on um, and KB's made this point. I think they're betting heavily on the idea that, that the young guys, Ryman and, and Fry specifically, are going to continue to develop and that part of part of what we saw from them last season was was their their rawness or, or lack of lack of polish so far. Um the the depth tackle the depth situation from an experience standpoint is is nerve wracking to me even because even if those guys even if those guys continue to take steps forward and and there there probably is reason to believe especially with Ryman who was a third round pick who had only played two years at tackle like it, it makes sense that it took him a little while like we should have like that's that's what you expect from a third round pick at tackle if he was a, a ready made starter he would have gone in the top ten picks um, but but what if one of them gets hurt you know what? A, what if somebody gets hurt? The, the Colts have had offensive line injuries, and that's that's not out of the ordinary. Everyone has offensive line injuries. Who, who's who's the backups if, in case people get hurt? Is is Blake Freeland the, the top swing tackle? Um, that that stuff is is interesting to me. In terms of, uh, I know we had the season where every offensive lineman started every game, but it just that that was such a a, a one off miracle uh, that it's, it's hard to expect that to happen again.
2: Yeah, I mean, to that point, I had um, – did a most indispensable cult list for this season, Joel. I put Braden Smith atop the list because if Braden yeah. Smith gets hurt – Blake Freeland, yes, in, in my mind based off what we saw in the spring, he is your top swing tackle. So you'd have a rookie tackle in Blake Freeland, a fourth round pick. We're not even talking first round pick or second round pick. Uh, Freeland as one tackle, the other tackle would be Bernard, Bernard Ryman. Bernard Ryman had never played offensive tackle in a in an American football game 3 years ago. Like it, it's yeah. just it's wild to think about the youth at both of those spots.
5: Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to argue with, with putting it there. Kenny Moore probably pretty high on the indispensable colt list yep. for me too, just for the same reason. Essentially, um, you know, Kenny's a proven player at cornerback. They don't have really anybody else who, who fits that bill in terms of somebody that we've seen do it year in and year out. So, so those two guys, I think, would be probably be at the top of it just because of of how how inexperienced they are behind
4: them.
2: Admittedly pessimistic Brewers fan, Joel A. Erickson with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline, which gives me hope as an admittedly pessimistic Reds fan. Heading into a major series here <laughs> over the next three days. Joel with us as Colts report to camp tomorrow. First practice coming up on Wednesday. I want to go back to Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman and those situations. I want to leave it pretty open ended. Um, Joel, I know you do. I think an outstanding job of not just saying stuff to say stuff, but when you do have stuff to report, um, it's super credible. And, and you know, to me, I think everyone's ears should open up. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it open-ended. And do you have anything on the Taylor and/or Pittman extension talk front uh, leading into camp?
5: Not, not right at the moment. But the Taylor contract, the Taylor contract is interesting to me. I, I want to hear what. What Jonathan has to say himself, especially given this Zoom call that the running backs were on and everything that's gone on over the last last week, um, because I I kept thinking the middle ground was you know a, a shorter deal, maybe more money, but a shorter deal, um, kind of the way Nick Chubb took a deal, and Chubb was I believe I I don't believe Chubb Chubb was on the call, so I wonder what he what his voice was in it. But with running backs sort of joining together, um, like has that? I wonder if that's changed things at all. I wonder if that's that's kind of why I want to ask Chris Ballard. I mean, and Ballard's gonna—I know what he's gonna say. He's gonna say I don't really talk about the contract stuff. Um, but we still—I still, still want to ask him about it. Is—is is, does does the the way things have gone for running backs is that going to change the tenor? Or is that going to change the way this is going? Um, do you think Taylor would sit out,
2: or is that a stupid idea with one year left on his contract?
5: Yeah, I don't think you do it with one year left. You you run you – run, the Le'Veon Bell sit out, and what happened after that is such a cautionary tale, I think. Um, so with one year left on your contract, I mean, maybe you do it, but I, I don't think so. Um yeah, it, it's it's an interesting situation. The, the the way the the way the running backs have sort of banded together and made this a cause. It, I feel like it changes just the the tenor of everything that's going on because now, if you're going to sign a deal, I think I think there's pressure externally from others at your position to go for go for the, the gusto, you know.
3: He's Joel Erickson of the Indianapolis Star, joining us on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Speaking of that Zoom call, Joel, I mean, I saw some of the names. Austin Eckler organized it. Nick Chubb was on that call, Saquon Barkley, Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey. Have you heard at all of – was Jonathan Taylor included in that call as well? I saw his name, yeah. He was? Okay, interesting.
5: Yeah, I saw his name. Um, And I thought thought that Taylor's – right before we left, right before everybody left, the, the facility when we talked to him about his contract, the fact that he was so open about it and, you know, believing in the value, I thought that that was a, a sign that we were going to see maybe a different, different ta- attack from him than we've seen in the past. Cause pre- previously, previous to that, he'd really say it said almost nothing other than I want to be a cult about his contract. He'd kind of deflected all that. Um, and we were all surprised when he opened up. So uh, I, I, there, there's an element of the running back position that that's, that's It's just it's just a different thing. I don't know. Trying to think. Don't know if I remember in. This will be my ninth season covering NFL. If I if I ever remember like a position group sort of banding together the way they are.
2: Yeah, I I would agree. And maybe the presence of social media just brings a little more of that out as it continues to be such a prevalent thing. Um, Last thing, Joel, on the Taylor Pittman talk for me, and, and I'll give you my answer too. And I know it's a question that. Doesn't have a lot of concrete info to it yet. I think eventually, if we're having this conversation in July 24th, 2024, I think both guys are still Indianapolis Colts. Um, If I gave you four different answers, they both eventually sign extensions with the team. That's A. B is neither sign an extension with the team. C is just Taylor. D is just Michael Pittman. What letter would you go with?
5: I I lean towards A as well with you. And just just because that's that's what Chris Ballard believes in is is signing guys who've been stars. When we asked him about um, when we asked him about can you pay running backs, he said when they're special, yes. Ursay um, at the owners meetings is something that sticks out in my mind as just you know he kept bringing up Jonathan Taylor as a special player that they need to get healthy and need to get back. Um, it it feels like the organization values Taylor. Um, pretty highly now obviously who knows what the what the ask is whatever um uh in terms of in terms of the contract i'm also fairly confident that there's probably levels they're not willing to go to but ultimately it does i'm kind of with you i feel like they they end up keeping their own
3: interesting uh joel a erickson i've got a question for you uh one that's kind of going on their radar given the the position stars that are anthony richardson gardner Minshew. One guy going on in the radar, Sam Ellinger. <laughs> is he working on being a third quarterback for the Colts? Will they carry three, or is he putting on reps and tape for another possible destination?
5: Uh, both. I mean, it's, it's both. It's it's kind of like, you know, will he force his way onto the roster? Um, because I understand the number, the number, you know, crunch and and people worrying about that. I also think with the practice squad that teams feel like you can maybe use that third quarterback a little bit more, um, especially now that there's the emergency thing, which Kevin and I hate. We hate that there's no more oh, random man, emergency quarterback on. possibilities out come there. Come
1: on,
2: wildcat with Zach Pascal. Hell, that would have been better <laughs> than some of the quarterback play they got last year.
5: That's uh, fair. Uh, you know, so so I think that that, that that rule probably changes a little bit. I I, I do think that, I do think that with 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 him specifically, you know, I think that they look at him as somebody that just because of everything else that's around him and and kind of you know maybe the way he played in that first game that you can probably develop him in, into a backup. But I also think that there's a there's a chance that if you play poorly during the preseason, it's a new coaching staff, and and the same practice squad extension that applies to all the other positions on the roster applies to the quarterback too. So I, I think it's possible that. That you know, maybe they feel like they can sneak him through this year if they, in a way that maybe they didn't last year when he was still sort of an unknown commodity. And obviously, um, we all know, you know, there was the you know, ownership liked him quite a bit. So it, I could see it going either way with him. I really could. Uh, in terms of on the roster, off the roster, on the practice squad, I, I assume there's going to be a third quarterback around somewhere though, because now, now it doesn't count against your your active game day roster because they're, they're taking, they're taking the, the possibility of random triple options away from me and Kevin.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. D- very disappointing, particularly a fullback. I'd love to see a fullback in those triple options. Uh, one thing to note, just three quarterbacks on the 90-man roster, I don't think that's too shocking. You want Anthony Richardson, I would think, and Gardner Minshew to get as many reps as possible here in camp, but uh, no fourth quarterback as the Colts open up camp tomorrow. On the Richardson front, Joel, and again, Joel A. Erickson joining us here for the Indianapolis Star, him and Nate Atkins, outstanding coverage as they are back from well-deserved time away, before things now ramp up for the next several months, what do you think Anthony Richardson needs to show the Colts to be under center week one?
5: I, I think just that he can have the passing game be somewhat close to the effectiveness of, of what Minshew was doing. Um, I, I don't think it has to look. I don't think it has to look great. I don't think it has to look um, because they, you know, Ursay said it a couple of weeks ago, again, in another appearance, you know, they, they want him to play. And that's been the message from the organization uh, publicly, especially from ownership and from Steichen and from Shane Steichen. That's been the message basically since they drafted him. And so I, I don't think that the bar is like, we have to be sure he's got everything down. I think the, I think the bar is lower than that. I think the bar is, Is you know can he handle what we need him to do on game day in terms of making the calls and checks and and knowing and and can we can we build a game plan that we that he can use and put into practice and then I think they're going to live well um, I'm going off of what they've said but it it feels like they're going to live with if maybe the polish isn't there right away as a passer I I done Indy Star today but I think the running game aspect of it. I don't think there's any reason to to think that that him and Taylor, if they're both healthy in, in the backfield together, aren't a dynamic oh, for sure. combination. You know, if you look at the history of running quarterbacks in the NFL, that's not there's no adjustment period there. They just they just come into the league and and start carving up defenses. The passing game, I do think we're going to see some some hiccups and some development. We're going to have questions about it. I, I think that that's probably just realistic based on the history of rookie quarterbacks and based on Richardson's own history. We're going to see some stuff with passing, but that running aspect, that stuff they have, that's not available with Minshew. Um, And so I I think that as long as Richardson can handle, um, can handle a game plan, I think he's going in.
2: Yeah. I have kind of settled on two things, Joel. I've almost separated myself from the Minshew versus Richardson aspect to it. Again, this is me. I'm not saying this is what, what the Colts are doing. And I've got two questions. Can your O line block adequately, and if that is a check, which I guess remains to be seen, the other question comes from what you just said there. Can he handle a scaled down game plan that Shane Steichen creates and caters to obviously his strengths? If the answers to those two questions, you can you know put a little check mark next to. I think he should be out there week one. To me, it's le- and I don't think we saw a huge gap difference between Minshew and Richardson's particularly later in the spring but I kind of get away from that and get a little bit more into all right O-line check uh can he handle a game plan check
5: yeah the game plan thing is is a key because um I I don't think as an offensive coach that you want to hamstring a guy by going out there and just saying we're going to run something well we kind of saw this a little bit towards the end of last season when, when Jeff Saturday was a head kicker. You don't want to hamstring a quarterback by everything is so simple that the defense can read the book completely. You want to be able to put together some kind of game plan. Now, Sykin's pretty good at that with young quarterbacks. He's he's done it with Herbert. He's done it with, with Jalen Hurts. Uh, his history is doing that. But you, you want to be able to have some kind of game plan. It does, you can't have the remember the Titans offense where you're running six plays um, and just waiting for it to work. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing to me. Um, offensive line – Offensive line is probably a good a good thing to worry about. But but Richardson, I wonder if they think that Richardson's, Richardson is sort of more natural at evading, or at least he was at Florida, more natural at evading the rush than even other mobile quarterbacks. And so I wonder if they feel like, you know, even if they have some issues there, that he can navigate it.
3: Joel A. Erickson of the Indianapolis Star joining us just for a few more minutes on the Payless Lickers Hotline. Joel, uh, Shaq Leonard's status. Heading into training camp is a pretty big unknown. Obviously, heading into the season, a big unknown. What are your expectations, if any, for Shaq Leonard in twenty
5: twenty three? I, 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 I'm just kind of letting this one. I'm just gonna kind of let it play out. I, I want to like. I, I don't want to guess, um, because and this this is why. So. Last year, he was coming back. He was playing. He was trying to get on the field. We finally, when we finally saw him get on the field, I th- you know, by his own, his own words, he said, you know, he couldn't move the same way. Um, but he also told us that he felt like he came back way too early. Um, and I, I just have so little history with this injury or this surgery that he's had. I we we don't see it very often. Um, or it's not like it's not like an Achilles or an A C L where you sort of have like an idea of just about every year every team in the NFL has someone coming off of an Achilles and someone coming off of an ACL. And so you get some kind of idea of like what the timelines are. What what Leonard is dealing with and what he had surgery on, I, I don't know that I have I don't know that I I don't think I've ever covered another player who was dealing with it. Um, especially at a at a position like linebacker. And so uh, I kind of was thinking this about this summer and I was thinking, you know maybe the way to look at this is just this is a chance to try to figure out like okay what what is this injury how does this affect a player just in case it comes up again you know maybe it does't but i don't i don't have that sort of baseline of what to expect and it sounds like from it sounds like using last season as a baseline for what to expect is a mistake given that he went back and had surgery again.
2: I mean, we're talking nerve damage, leg pain, two back surgeries. Last year, the back surgery didn't happen until June. Having a June back surgery with you know five months of the offseason unfolding without doing anything, that obviously isn't ideal. It, it, it's just one of the wilder injury situations I've seen for a player that also is playing linebacker at 215 pounds and has to be in peak, peak athletic shape from a lateral movement standpoint to you know play at the incredible level that he has, has played at in his career.
5: Yeah, and his his explosiveness, you know, he he did a good job the last full season he played of figuring out how to work around his lack of explosiveness when the, the calf wasn't firing. But we all know that that his explosiveness is key, and it's key for it's, it's more key for um, that 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 first step explosiveness. That's more key for linebackers than it's ever been before because of what they're asked to do um in terms of coverage and the way teams spread the field and stretch people out now so it's it's clear that it's pretty important like i said he can we learned from seasons ago that he can um turn in a pretty good season especially from a turnover production standpoint even if he's not at completely the guy who came out of uh the guy who was a rookie right away but you got to have some of that explosion back and that's that was what I remember, you know, I think one of the times he opened up on the injury to us, he was talking about that was one of the biggest things for him. Um, one of the biggest frustrations for him was not, was looking at himself on tape and not seeing that, you know, uh, just because you, you have to have it. I, I don't know that. Well, we all know that the the days of, of being a linebacker and kind of making up for a lack of explosion with everything else are, are probably pretty much gone. So He's got to get some of that back. But but obviously once you get him on the field, if if you can get him on the field as as Jack Leonard, even if it's the one from two years ago, like just think about how many turnovers he had in that season. And it's it's a big boon for the defense. All right, Joel,
3: before we get you out of here, we kinda of teased it already, but the Reds at Brewers <laughs> for three games. I've got I want to see a, a wager happen between you and Kev here. Uh how about this? <laughs> I'll throw this out to both of you guys. You guys let me know what you think. If one of your teams, whoever takes two out of three, the loser has to either run shirtless or oh, wear, or wear. Hold on, I mean, or wear I mean, the, I opposing, put the opposing, the opposing. Mayo team. in my coffee.
2: I mean, what, what else? Will you let me do?
3: finish real quick? Okay, <laughs> the loser has to either run shirtless or wear the opposing team's shirt across one of the practice fields at
2: training camp. A, a lot of uh, clearance with the Colts. Oh, there's, and, plenty and, and, and pra- their, there's plenty of practice.
3: There's plenty of – at the Kids City or whatever it's called, Colts City.
2: And <laughs> their staff with that. I will happily don – well, not happily, but I will reluctantly don a Brewer's shirt of Joel's choice um, on one of the morning practice sh- shows at Colts Camp. And I will buy Joel a six-pack of beer. That's
5: weak. Okay, that's, that's, yeah, I'll do that. I'm not doing the shirtless thing. I'm not doing something that's. You've had Mike Wells
2: and Chris Hagen both tear, I believe both tore their Achilles trying to do athletic events in the public eye here. Joel, I I don't, I mean, I I think we talked about this before. Joel, you got banged up earlier this year, correct?
5: Yeah, the ankle, the ankle got back. The ankle got back in time. It's healthy, but, um, you know, it, I, I just I just am very conscious. There's a lot of fans out there. There's a lot of fans out there with a lot of phones. Mm, that's a, right. No that's the point. There's put something on the internet that's going to be there forever. Yeah. I'm
3: not saying you guys got to break a 40 time here. I'm just saying you could jog 100 yeah, yeah, yards. Yeah,
2: and then you break it. Then you tear an ACL, and all of a sudden, <laughs> who's laughing now? Kevin, I'm
3: shocked. Considering you were willing to go shirtless for Michael Shrewsbury, I'm shocked oh, that you do. are, You yeah, don't have that much faith in your Reds.
2: Well, yeah, for good reason. Two and eight against the Brewers. Joel, I will don a shirt. And uh, I've got an Ellie Lacroix LaCruz shirt for you. How does that sound?
5: That's, that works. That okay. works. And I'll I'll, I'll reciprocate the six-pack
3: of beer. And so this is just strictly winner of the series? Yeah, two yeah. out of three. Right. Or clean sweep, whatever it is. Whoever wins
2: the
5: series. It, what? Why couldn't we have done this at the beginning of this uh, summer? I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, already, I'd already be in the clear. I'm so worried about the math working against me here. Yeah, you'd have
2: 18 beers, I guess, if the three series would, <laughs> would add up to that point. Again, Joel's Brewers, my Reds coming up here. Three games set in Milwaukee. Absolutely massive here. The final time they're going to meet uh, the rest of the regular season. Joel, hope you enjoyed a little bit of quiet time, and I will see you amidst the chaos tomorrow. Yeah, we'll see you tomorrow, KB. Joel A. Erickson, right there from the Indianapolis guys, backing start. out of the physical challenge. It, it's the fans want to see it. it it's easy, you know again I, I No chance the Colts would clear that on the. You imagine if we both got hurt and try to like sue.
3: Oh, well, you're not suing. You're you're signing off on it. You're clear. You're leaving them way of any any charges or anything like. That. There's plenty of there's plenty of fields at Grand Park. You can go away from there.
2: Remember when you we had done? to sign the waivers before the shrimp eating contest? Oh yeah, St. Elmo.
3: Yeah. Like, well, you're not going to die, but you still have to. Right. You know, okay. All right, I just want the championship belt. Just give me that, sir. I
2: was like, wait, I'm really signing this? Like, I, I mean, I've got a young daughter out there. Well, and man. then you brought At out, like, foreign substances. You're like, oh, I've got milk in my pocket. No, oh, I it just out. had – yeah, I, I simply had a glass of milk.
3: I was like, uh, that's foreign substance here. Zero PEDs whatsoever yeah. on It didn't front. help you. You still lost. Congrats okay. to
2: your title. Thank you. Uh, Pop Quiz is coming up in a few. It is a four-pack of tickets. And, Mark, this is for the State Fair beginning on Friday. And, and we're giving these away each of the next few weeks.
3: Yeah, like the next three straight weeks, we've got Indiana State Fair tickets, four
2: packet cool. tickets. So, starting on today, rolling
3: on for the next three weeks.
2: We'll be out there Friday, Jake and myself. Again, a busy week of remote shows, Tuesday and Wednesday at Grand Park for Colts training camp, and then out at the State Fair coming up on Friday. Before we get to that pop quiz, 317-239-1070, let's do a morning check down.
3: I'll go. I said it once. I'm not saying it again. Don't say it. No, that's all right. Uh, but your Reds are red hot. They're looking pretty good. They swept the Arizona Diamondbacks over the weekend, seven to three, to cap off the Sunday game there. And now, like we just talked with Jolie Erickson, and you guys kind of copped out of the physical challenge that's okay but a big three game set going up against the brewers in milwaukee that that'll determine who's in first place in the nl central so we'll see how that goes elsewhere jake's cute fella five three winners over the tampa bay rays my cubs take three out of four against the st louis cardinals seven to two yesterday white Sox follow the twins five to four in 12 innings and what else do we got here? The Pirates fell to the Angels 7-5. The Indianapolis Indians. I don't know if Jake ended up going to the Iowa Cubs-Indianapolis Indians game. He said he was going to go to Saturday's oh, really? game. I don't know if he ended up going. 5-3, the Indian- The Iowa Cubs won on Saturday. And on Sunday, 9-4 winners, Iowa Cubs over the Indianapolis Indians on Sunday. So not a great series. For the Indianapolis Indians at all, they'll return home, and they are off until Tuesday. Finally home. Yeah. The long six-game set out in Iowa. They return home uh, Tuesday night, and they'll take on the Louisville – What are they? The Louisville Bats. Bats. Yeah, that's right. The Bats. I wanted to say Louisville Redbirds, and I knew that wasn't right, but I got the Cardinals on my brain. Yeah,
2: they haven't been home in a while, so uh, Indians home, at Victory Field, day games coming up Wednesday and Sunday. Okay, out in Iowa, as Mark mentioned, Jake was there, doubleheader for IndyCar this weekend, Joseph Newgarden, taking the checkered flag first in both of those races. That is now five straight oval wins for Newgarden. Al Unser and A.J. Foyt, the only two that have ever accomplished that feat in IndyCar, so that is pretty darn good company for Newgarden to be a part of. Uh, from a season series standpoint with five races to go, Alex Pillow still has a very comfortable 80-point lead, an important third-place finish for Palou on Sunday as he continues to have a very impressive season. Uh, off this week for IndyCar, uh, back-to-back coming up uh, next two weekends after this. It'll be Nashville for the street race and then the road course race here in Indy. A part of Brickyard Weekend coming up the second weekend of August.
3: Ugly, ugly game yesterday for the Indiana Fever. Uh, outscored 44-17 to 17 in the first quarter by the New York Liberty. That's not, that's not usually good. So, 101-83 losers to New York Liberty. I mean, despite the bright spots of Aaliyah Boston and whatnot, uh, the Fever still only 6-15 on the season. They now have back-to-back games against the Los Angeles Sparks starting Tuesday at 10 p.m. But coming up next, we've got a four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair, 317-239-1070. It's Kevin and Query on a Monday morning, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
3: Pop quiz time on Kevin and Query. A four-pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair for whoever gets on here, whether you go five for five. If you go five for five, you also get the Jiffy Lube oil change as well. So full phone lines like we had all last week for these Indiana State Fair tickets. Kev, pick a number one through eight.
2: Um, Well, Joseph Newgarden, uh, two for two this weekend, so let's go with numero dos. I'm
3: surprised he didn't go a little higher. I figured number of sh-
2: number of shirts you're going to
3: sweat through at Colts
2: Camp. Wow. It's Might good. be a record. Well, and I thought for a second how many under par Brian Harman was when, when the British opened, but he was too many under par yeah. for Wait one through eight there. Wait second place, many. I guess, would have fallen in that group. Sam, who do we have? You're saying hello to Tomas. Tomas.
1: Tomas. Tomas. Good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy Monday. How Tomas, you doing? Tomas, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Just uh, working on this beautiful Monday morning. Tomas, are we just spelling that T-O-M-A-S? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice. Not, Not Thomas, Is Tomas.
2: Okay, gotcha. Hey, is there, like, a I don't know, is there a Hispanic heritage with that, Spanish heritage? Am I way off on that?
1: No, definitely, yeah. I'm full uh, full-blooded Latino, Mexican-American. Um, if you call me, Thomas, around my mom, she will cuss you out.
2: So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I certainly don't want that, yeah. No moms cussing me out there.
1: What, uh, what
3: is a must for you at the Indiana State Fair, Tomas?
1: Oh, the food. Definitely the food. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always go-to? been the food. Yeah, uh, usually the barbecue, um, anything that has a pork in it. That's a Uh, strong pick right there. Pretty much my favorite, yeah, for sure.
2: Food and porter potties. Those Uh are the things you're going to need at the state (laughs) fair. Yeah, yeah. Test out the piping the next morning, to say the least, there. Uh, Four packet tickets coming Tomas' way. Again, we're going to be doing that each of the next few weeks here as. Uh, State Fair opens up Friday. We will be out there on Friday morning. Mark, you want to throw number one at Tomas? Sure. All right, Tomas. Question one. The
3: Colts report to training camp tomorrow at Grand Park in Westfield. Where did the Colts hold training camp before their first season in Indianapolis in 1984? Was it A, Uh, Rose Holman in Terre Haute, B, Fall Creek Elementary School, C, Anderson University, or D, St. Joseph's College in Rensselaer?
1: For some reason, I want to
3: say Anderson. I would say stick with that. Stick with that oh, gut feeling. Look
2: at that. All right. Number 2 here. The Cubs took three Did you write this question? No. I wish I did though. The Cubs took 3 of 4. Hell yeah. From the Cardinals over the weekend, St. Louis falls to 44 and 56 on the season. Who was the heart. Cardinals' manager the last time they had a worse record through 100 games in a season? I believe we shared 1995 earlier. In the show, was it A, Mike Matheny, B, Tony La Russa, C, Whitey Herzog, or D, Ken Boyer?
1: I'm going to go La Russa because that's the only manager that I know of. manages the, the Cardinals. So,
2: Tomas coming out strong. and like Ken Boyer runs person. for Congress in like nine different states. Well,
3: if you thought I wrote question two, I'm going to think you wrote questions three and four. Question three for you, Tomas. Red starting pitcher Luke Weaver had a no decision in yesterday's win over the Diamondbacks. In his last 10 starts, Weaver had an ERA of 8.79. How many of those 10 starts wound up with the Reds winning the game? Was it A. 5, B. 7, C. 9, or D. They won all 10.
1: Uh, the Reds have been hot, man. So I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna go with seven. Okay. Seven out of 10. Okay. Tell us what part of town you're from. Uh, Southside. Nice, nice, nice. Nice. All right, here.
2: One for the Southsiders. Ellie De La Cruz, as I'm rocking the shirt, hit his fifth home run of the season in yesterday's Reds win. De La Cruz has five homers and 17 stolen bases over his 40-game major league career. He is tied with Barry Bonds for the second fewest games needed to hit five homers and steal at least 15 bases in a career. Name the only player to reach those plateaus faster. A. Gary Reedus. B, Eric Davis, C, Ronald Acuna Jr., or D, Joe
1: Charbonneau? I'm going to go with uh, the Atlanta Brave, uh, Acuna Jr.
3: All right, rounding out the pop quiz, Tomas. Brian Harmon is your winner at the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. Harmon dominated the Open, leading by at least five shots after each of the final three rounds. Who was the last golfer to lead the final three rounds of the British Open by at least five strokes? Was it Tiger Woods? Tom Weiskopf, Bobby Locke or Henry Cotton?
1: Oh man, I don't watch golf, but I know I know who Tiger
3: is, man, so I'm gonna go with Tiger. That's always that's a safe a soft, that's always a safe bet. Jake would hear him say, yeah.
2: yeah. kind <laughs> of a soft answer, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's kind of a soft answer. Yeah. Mhm. 100% soft in
3: those answers. I mean, uh, you, these these the other three are not household names by any stretch. Mm-hmm. So if you're not a golf fan, right. Tiger's the one that sticks out for you.
2: Yeah, Henry Cotton, I got nothing. Is there a Gabe Cotton? Back of in Maybe. the Maybe. HSC days, I'm trying to think of. Um, okay, so... Uh Tomas, great start. Unfortunately, the finish was not as strong. Mark, what, one and two, correct?
3: Yeah, correct. Anderson University was the first season for Indianapolis in 1984 for training camp. Tony LaRussa, the manager, last time the Cardinals stunk at 40 and 60 back in 1995. Gosh, the
2: Cardinals stinking. I just love you saying that. Yeah, I love it too.
3: Uh, question three. He said seven out of 10 was what happened when Luke Weaver takes the mound despite having almost a nine ERA. Uh, actually, they've won 9 out of 10. Hooper is 1-0 and is 0 with 9 no decisions over that period. That is Tomas, remarkable. stay on the line. Stay on the line. Uh, elsewhere, Gary Reedus, uh was the last Reds player uh, with the home runs. And then Henry Cotton, the, the mm-hmm. household name yeah. of Henry Cotton way back in 1934, was the last golfer to lead the last three rounds of the British Open by at least five yeah. strokes. Awful
2: conditions there. Henry just... Great umbrella for him in 1934. Tomas,
3: stay on the line. Sam will get your information. But you have a four pack of tickets to the Indiana State Fair again. We'll have a four pack of tickets all week long on the pop quiz, and actually for the next like three straight weeks. So if you want to go to the Indiana State Fair, listen to Kevin and Query at 9:30.
2: So you know how like the running backs buy the offensive line a nice gift for uh-huh. like a thousand yard season, yeah. or you know the quarterbacks I think do that for protecting the uh, mm-hmm. for protecting them. What do you think Luke Weaver should have to buy for the lineup that has contributed to him going? 1-0, oh, 9 no decisions over that period due to an ERA of 8.79. I mean, go to the nearest like Mercedes-Benz car lot,
3: I would say, and be like, hey, guys, pick it out here. What do you want? Because that is – I mean, DFA would probably be in the cards <laughs> usually for an 8.79 Literally. ERA.
2: Yeah, he should be pitching against the Indians coming up this week, right? With yeah. the bats in town? Yeah. I mean, you should see, like, Luke
3: Weaver has been DFA'd by the Reds. He will now, you know – Go play for the Royals' Double A team or something like that. That's remarkable that they've won nine out of ten despite that horrific ERA. That is that is that shows you how hot the Reds have been lately. That's why here come the Red Legs ring so true as
2: of late. Joel Erickson was pretty accurate when he said the Reds pitching stinks. Yeah, um, that I is... mean,
3: that, that, I keep waiting for that other shoe to drop when in regards to the Reds pitching. I'm like, their offense can't carry them forever, can they? And so far, according to that question, they sure have. So. She'll be interesting in these next three games with the Brewers.
2: As Mark said, four-pack of State Fair tickets all week long coming up the next couple of weeks as well, So we're going to be out there on Friday for opening day. Uh, We'll do it one final time here. Kevin Inquiry, Mark Dykden, and myself, Kevin Bowen, on a Monday.
1: You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
3: Almost home on this Monday morning. It's Kevin Inquiry. We'll get you to the top of the hour to round it out. Fun Monday, filling in uh, for Jake Quarry. He'll be back tomorrow as well. So you think Kevin he's still in bling. REM sleep right now? Oh, probably, yeah, unless Boo's pawing at his face like, hey, come on, want some food here. What are you doing? <laughs> want to cuddle? Want some catnip? <laughs> Is yeah. that new cologne
2: I smell? Yeah, literally, that's 1,000% that's true. Uh, we'll be up in Westfield tomorrow, Grand Park Report Day. We've got uh, Ryan Kelly and DeForce Buckner. On the docket, sounds like, for tomorrow. That's a good start. We'll see if uh, anyone else joins us, and then uh, Wednesday will be the first practice day. So big picture thoughts
3: heading into training camp. Obviously, we have the Anthony Richardson contract situation. We'll be looking at Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. Situation, unknown status of Shaq Leonard for training camp and preseason and regular season and all that. Anything else stick out to you of some concerns or storylines you've got your your eyebrows raised for?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, in some order, Mark, the news items to watch over the next kind of 24, 48-hour period are this. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, it sounds like based off someone that reached out to you that the Juju Brents mm-hmm. rookie contract, you know, is just a formality at this point. Right. Anthony Richardson and Blake Freeland are the other draft picks that have yet to sign their rookie contracts, so I would assume and expect those to be done rather soon, certainly before Wednesday's first practice. So I think that is an order of business. Um, You know, the Shaquille Leonard situation and just like who else shows up on that physically unable to perform list? Are there any other players? Read off the names earlier in the show. There's a lot of guys that miss substantial time in spring. Are any of those in the somewhat serious category? I don't think so, but you never truly know. So those are kind of a couple news items. Uh, Obviously, the Taylor and Pittman extension news, You know, as we talked about um, a little bit earlier, Chris Ballard has signed four of his own draft picks to second contracts. Pittman and Taylor would fall into that category. The four, you've had them kind of spread out over this month and a half period. Braden Smith did it before camp started. Uh, Darius Leonard did it during the middle of training camp. Naeem Hines and Quentin Nelson did it right before the start of the regular season. So do Taylor and Pittman, who I think are separate case studies, I don't think they necessarily are these slam dunks to be 1,000% extended before the start of the year. We'll see You know how do those things play out here over the next few weeks. And, Mark, I think you got to throw out that Naeem Hines news from earlier today. Yeah, Naeem
3: Hines uh, reported by Tom Pellicer, who was the first one to have it. uh, Naeem Hines suffered an off-site knee injury, expected to miss – the entire 2023 season for the Buffalo Bills. So just obviously a devastating, devastating news item for Naheem Hines, who I think a lot of people in Indy still pulling for, despite him being with the Buffalo Bills.
2: Yeah, and and I bring that up to say, like, are there any Colts that fall into, maybe not necessarily the Hines, like he's done for the year, but a guy got hurt training off-site, Yeah, you know, he's going to be out for a month or so. That happened with Anthony Costanzo, you know, back a handful of years ago, and it was a huge, huge injury for the Colts. Because when you think about this period that players are getting back from, Mark, you know, the player's been off for a month and a half. But that time is different than the time that you're off from, like, you know, mid February to mid April. You know, mid February to mid April, you aren't doing a whole lot from a ramping it up standpoint physically. I mean, oftentimes guys are rehabbing injuries or uh-huh. things like that. The time from mid June to obviously late July, you got to get ready to go because, you know, Two weeks from Saturday, the Colts are going to play a preseason game. Yeah, this and is I the know inter- that doesn't apply for everybody on the roster, but you know, a good chunk of that roster, you better be ready to go, or else. This is the interesting time period too, because the guys will
3: report to camp. You'll see who was doing some work in the in between OTAs and who was not, and all that. So that that'll be interesting to see as well. Uh, do we have a time yet for Chris Ballard speaking tomorrow?
2: I thought I saw tomorrow afternoon. I I, I don't know. Is- Nine o'clock is when players. Um, I think we've been told. To start expecting them from a media availability standpoint, again, I don't know if we'll get Buckner or Kelly a little bit earlier than that, a little bit later than that. We'll obviously keep you posted on that tomorrow. But typically, you know, let's say players meet the media from 9 to 11, just throwing out a time there. You know, maybe Ballard's at noon or 1 o'clock, something like that um, from Westfield. And it's just
3: Ballard, right? Shane Steigen has not been... No, no media availability as far Shane as you will know. Will be no, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah, yeah. Okay. So
2: Shane will be after the first practice on Wednesday, and that is typically then how it's going to unfold from there. I mean, really, after tomorrow, Mark, we might not hear from Chris Ballard again until the season ends. And, and that's—I I don't want to act like that. It's just like a, a Ballard thing. That's par for the course. Yeah, with that's usually a lot of NFL GMs.
3: GMs speak speak. Yeah, after the draft, speak at the combine, speak at training camp once, and usually, yeah, not to the end of the season.
2: Do we need to ask an Isaiah Rodgers question tomorrow?
3: I mean, I don't think it can hurt. I don't God, know what kind of response hard. you're going to get. They're going to probably say, we only talk about players who are still on the roster. Yeah, But I, I could no one has really mentioned it, you know, outside of a press release that said they released Isaiah Rodgers. Yeah, and Rogers, Ballard but,
2: did have comments in, in that press release. Right, but, but, the, but again, we haven't had a press conference with him since mm-hmm. then. I could see Ballard getting a little bit on his high horse, though, and trying to be like, you know, we do not stand for this at all. It's the integrity of the game. Like, Remember during the draft, he got on that, he kind of got on his high horse about, you know, the, the I don't know, high horse maybe is the wrong phrase to use there. It probably sounds a little harsh, but he was really fired up about the C.J. Stroud situation. You know, all the anonymous sources, you know, C.J. Stroud this and C.J. Stroud that, and and he really was fired up about that. Uh-huh. So I could see him being fired up in relation to Isaiah Rogers uh, coming up tomorrow.
3: So you guys will be out there bright and early tomorrow for Colts camp.
2: Does Jake know we're out there?
3: I don't know. I, I've already told him because you guys are at the you guys are at Colts camp and you're also at the State Fair this week. I was like, one of you guys is going to end up at Westfield. I feel like on the day do we get another credential fair. story? Oh, he was bringing that up yesterday already about about credentials and and all that stuff. So I think it's still a bit of a raw topic for him. But Jake will be back tomorrow. Hopefully, he'll show up at Westfield. He won't pop into the studio with me and say, "Hey, where's Kev?" I'm like where you're supposed to be.
2: Uh, Indy Indians games for the Dykton family? First time at home in about two and a half It weeks. has been a
3: little bit. We haven't gone to an Indians game in a little bit. The last time we were over there was the Savannah Bananas game. Uh, I so heard that had, was rocking. It was really fun. That was a great time. Uh, yeah, packed house. Uh, I didn't indulge in a, in a beer bat there, but apparently oh, the beer boo. bats have, the How about <laughs>
2: that, Sam? He's ripping me for not you know, wanting to tear would, my ACL during a 40-yard dash, and the guy can't even do a beer bat. I,
3: I was driving afterwards, so I wanted to be a safe, responsible person. So uh, I did not partake, but I heard that they had gotten an upgrade now. So, like, before you just had to hold the beer bat the whole time. Now apparently there's, like, a home plate, like, on the bottom, so you can just set it down, Whoa. which is nice. That's that's a huge upgrade there. Look at that. More that. More points there, more can points. Can we sit
2: in on these marketing
3: meetings, meetings for the beer bats? I mean, I'll do the testing if they need, like, taste tests and all that stuff. Yes, this is good. Yes, I approve. Give me more. This and that. So haven't gone to a game in a little bit, but we'll have to make it out there in the near future for sure it's always a good time victory field
2: again a massive series coming up for the red legs if you are really a fan of the nl central in general um and you're curious about what's going to happen at the top uh, reds a half game back of the brewers right now they have a three-game series starting tonight in milwaukee uh huge absolutely huge there for the reds they are two and eight against the brewers absolutely pathetic against the brewers now are are you and joel
3: going to do like a jersey exchange kind of like they do on the soccer pitch after like a game like (laughs) Well, Whoever that makes takes- sense
2: at Grand Park because we're in Indy 11's headquarters yeah. up there. Yeah,
3: so you're going to have to like hand him the Ellie Joel Cruz, is or- a Hard Brewers fan.
2: Oh, I, I mean, know. we're talking like every game he is living and dying in fifth inning pitches. I'm not going to act like I'm there with the Reds.
3: Yeah, you guys are pretty pessimistic when it comes to your fan fandom, I think, for both your teams. But yeah, you guys can do the jersey swap depending on who takes two out of
2: three or the clean sweep. Did want to sneak this in before the end. Again, coming up today at 2 o'clock, it was, what was it? Do I have the hyperlink right? NBA All-Star 2024? Does that sound right? Yes. NBAAllStar2024.com. Again, 10,500 tickets available just to people in the state of Indiana. This is for the Saturday night activities over at Lucas Oil coming up in February. That's Slam Dunk. That's three-point contest. That's a skills challenge. All that great stuff. So, 2 o'clock today. uh, Check that out. Awesome opportunity for fans here in our own backyard. Mark Dykton, thank you. Thank you. Jake Query tomorrow we will be at Grand Park for Report Day. See you.